There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, the do I. Welcome to episode 70 of the Power Court Hour podcast. Hope you're doing well out there. Thank you so much for checking out another episode of the show. And uh, very excited for this one. Not only is it a very fun topic near and dear to my heart, but uh, we get to do an in-studio one, which uh, have an in-studio guest, which does not happen very often. But uh, making his third appearance on the show and very happy about it. Local musician Joey Cobra we have had on here to talk about his own music. And uh, we always seem to talk about Fat Records at some point, so it only makes sense that I do top five Fat Record albums and uh, with Joey Cobra. This is a, uh, I, I would say, I don't know that I've talked Fat Records with a guest more than I have with Joey. We always have fun. Uh, I love his music. You can definitely tell his uh, influence from uh, Fat Records and the bands and everything. And uh, yeah, I I think there's not a better person to do this with. I know it kind of feels like I'm cheating on uh, Zach and Kyle a little doing a top five with someone else, but uh, I don't think there's another person that uh, would be better suited to do a top five fat records with than a Joey. So we have a lot to talk about. We're going to get right into it right now. So Joey, man, how are you? Doing great. Um, I'm really excited to be here and talk about some of the, uh, some of the basically most incredible albums that you know are i'm going to hold near and dear to me for the rest of my life so uh i think this will be um a really fun conversation I, I think it will be we were kind of talking about it i think we talked about it on air last time you were on here a few months ago and i think that was kind of the catalyst of it like beginning to talk about like oh that would be fun to do sometime and i do i think it's perfect because i mean i would i would say judging from your music and anyone who else has heard it i mean fat records seems like a lot of those bands are probably a big influence on like your music. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, when every time I I come on here, it's like uh we end up talking about Fat Records bands <laughs> and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, this it, we might as well just get to a conversation where that's all <laughs> we're talking about instead of uh, you know, trying to make a conversation around what I'm doing musically, you know. I think it's uh just cut the fat out. Get yeah. to get to the like the real. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that we love fat records. You know, I didn't think about it, but there's there's a lot of labels. You know, like I talk about drive through records a lot on here. Yep. But really, when you look, they existed for like 10, 12 years or whatever. Fat records has never went away, and they've been around now for like. I was trying to think it. I went to their twenty fifth anniversary tour in two thousand fifteen. So they have uh-huh. to be at thirty now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It was like ninety or ninety one or something like it's that. It's older than I. It's it's yeah. now older than me. Fat yeah. records. Fat <laughs> records have been around longer than I've been alive. Yeah. And like when I think of that, I almost you know I was really excited to do the like countdown, and I always kind of get and you know when you think about it, I get I always get intimidated because I don't think I've thought of one yet doing these top fives where right away I had my list. I always kind of I have one or two that I know, but then I have to really think. And with this one right away, I was almost nervous. I'm like, that's a lot of that's a lot of releases. That's not like yeah. it's not like we were just talking about like favorite 90s fat releases or something like that. Like that's 30 years worth of stuff. But uh thankfully my list overall one day just kind of came together all at once. I feel like it all kind of hit me. I mean, how how did yours come together? Did it take a while? Did it all did it all come at once? Like, actually, how well did you know right away? Like when I was like, "Hey, let's do this." Did you kind of know your list already? 
Well, I had an idea, um, and you know, it's it's like a combination of um, you know going with your gut and kind of like it's like you know you know you've got the answers within you of what are the the albums that are the most special to you and yeah. the ones that you know on a desert island you would absolutely go to 100% but you know then you start to overthink it and like with this one i mean in a in a parallel universe it would have been basically the same bands but either the album before or the album after like <laughs> i was really you know, it's all of these, all of these records are so special to me mm-hmm. that it's hard. It's like kind of trying to pick your own, pick your favorite memory. Yeah. Like it's, it's really hard to, to just say like objectively, this is the one that's absolutely perfect. And, you know, I don't care about the other ones, you know, it's, <laughs> it becomes it's hard. Yeah. It's really, it's really difficult because it's, because it's such a personal thing, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, with all of my picks, like there are a, a lot of albums that could have easily gone on this list that, you know, for one reason or the other, these albums kind of like squeaked out the competition, I guess. But, you know, that happens. Yeah. And but I'm always going, going to value. Um, I'll probably talk about the other albums that didn't make the list that I'm oh, always totally. going to, you know. I, I thought it would be like kind of criminal for me for me not to like mention all of these incredible bands with incredible releases yeah, yeah. that you know I, I that could have like I said easily have gone on the list but just didn't but you know there's a lot that are uh, really really incredible that I think that people should check out if they haven't. Mm. I, I think what we'll uh, I think we'll get in the list here. I think we'll get in our list, and at the end, like yeah, because I, I have I have a lot too, and a lot of like probably newer era ones too. Who maybe if their albums were out, because that's the other thing. Some of these records you've had you know fifteen years to live with, then others have been yep. out for like two. So it's like yep. you know, but yeah, I, I think at the end here we'll uh, yeah, I would love to hear like honorable mentions and like all that stuff because there are too. I mean, people know Fat Records, but I like getting into like. And hopefully my list, I and I, you know, and maybe yours as well. But like, hopefully there's a few albums that we'll hit on here where it's like, oh, I've never heard that one, or I didn't give it a chance, or like, you know, I didn't really like it that much when it came out. Yeah. But if it's on our list, maybe we should go back. Sure. But uh, you know, I mean, we can get into it, and I will let you. I mean, you were the guest. If you want to kick it off with your number five. Number five is uh, Dillinger Four, 2008's Civil War. Ooh, nice yeah. one, nice yeah. one. I mean this this album is a beast and I was um you know I was looking up different things about it today and looking up the track list and everything um and there was like there was some some notes about I was reading on the Wikipedia page the uh the critical reception of this <laughs> album and how like rev- reviewers were saying that this was just like it's like oh it just sounds like Dillinger 4 and it's not innovative at all and it's not like but i'm like what do you expect from like dillinger four and like they're they're you know they have made it known that like dillinger four is not the their main career you know they and if you look at the dates of the releases of their albums (laughs) 
you know that these guys are like they've got all their shit going on and then you know every couple years or maybe decade or whatever <laughs> they release an album what do they have four studio albums now four all together um I'm not sure. I think that there, this was their fourth one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's it. There's Midwestern versus God. Uh, oh, man, what's the one before this? Career? Oh, I can't think of it with the monkey on the Career front. Suicide? Career Suicide, I think. And then this one. The, or no, the, Career Suicide is a... Isn't that the Wilhelm scream? Oh, yeah, wait, that yeah. Is, you're right. That is a Wilhelm scream. Situation is comedy. Is that's the, it. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That, sorry for kicking this metal chair, everyone. <laughs> I was excited. He remembered the name yeah. of that Dillinger 4 record. Right. But, that was but, their first Fat Records album. Yeah, they had two on Hopeless, two on Fat. Yeah. That's about it. And then, I mean, like, there was, there is stuff pre-Midwestern songs, but I feel like it was more like, like, more like pop punk, less of like, you know what I mean? Like, Dillinger mm-hmm. 4... And they would probably say this. I feel like they became the band on Midwestern song. Like that's yeah. that's the Dillinger Four we know and love in the classic sense. Yep, yep. Which is hilarious as you're telling me this. Like I've never seen the reviews, but like Dillinger Four has a very distinct sound, and you yep. know what you're gonna get. It's like I'm with you. It's like what like what do you think a Dillinger Four album was supposed to sound like? Yeah, and um, well, there's also a release. Um, called this shit is genius and it's like uh yeah it's like all the no idea put that out yeah it's like all the b-sides and everything Mm -hmm. that was actually my first uh dillinger 4 album oh really and uh and you know i i fell in love with the songs on there and then situation is comedy came out and i was like blown away and then you know i think that um i think that when civil war came out it was at a time when i was you know, I was far enough r- removed from high school and into adult life that the lyrics really hit me in a way that, you know, they hadn't before. Mm. And they were just, they're really relatable. And, at, you know, at the same time, like sincere and funny and sarcastic and angry. And okay. like this, this album just kind of like hits all of the things all of the things that you know you would you'd be thinking about life and um you know does it in kind of you know depending on who's the person singing the song like approaches it in a different way and um you know like you think about uh like songs like minimum wage is a gateway drug you know i mean like and today is still fucking like even probably more now yeah exactly So, you know, this album was just, it was, uh, I liked, I think what I liked about this album more than um, Situation is Comedy was it was a little bit more kind of like polished and melodic, Mm -hmm. which is something that I'm always going to gravitate towards, but not in a way that they like intentionally were changing their sound or, or trying too hard to do one thing or the other. It was just like just a better in my opinion a a better kind of quality album it's got all of the like funny little clips and (laughs) like samples and everything between the songs and like it just i i mean and i said this last time like dillinger four is exactly who they are like they're they're and this album is just a perfect example of everything that they do really really well it really, and I think I, because I forgot we did, we got into Dillinger 4 a lot on the last one. Mm-hmm. And I won't talk about it too much because I think I did last time. But again, it's like it is a band where, like, 
they're loud and brash in your face and like you know if you if you just look at the song titles i mean you know they're they're like hilarious but it's like then you look at the lyrics and you go these are the smartest guys in the room these are yep. the smartest like they, they may they may joke around and tell dick jokes and stuff but if you go look at their lyrics you're like oh my god like and it is it's grown it is kind of like adult pop punk like you were talking about how that hitting you and you were a little older and stuff it's like you know some pop punk just doesn't age super great and it is like you don't you don't get into it or relate to it as much as you did saying like your teenage years. But Dillinger mm-hmm. 4, it's like, no, you get older and you real like a lot of that stuff you don't digest when you first discover them. It's mm-hmm. later on you realize. I'm, right. I'm sure Propagandi gets that. I'm sure there's a bunch of teenagers who've gone into like Propagandi who are like they're into it for different reasons and then years later go, Oh wait, there's a message there. Like yeah. oh wait a second. And yeah. it's like that that stuff ages better than like if they're just so that's why I think the earlier stuff, like I think we're just like pre Midwestern songs, kind of like more of a bubblegum pop punk band, not not like Blink One Eighty Two, but like mutant pop, yeah, uh, you know, like the queer screeching weasel kind of like Ramones yep. core, like that. Yep. And I think uh, you know, yeah, later on, just whatever, like very more socially conscious, you know, lyrics that are just yep. way more deeper and just you know a lot, which have just aged well too. Like that band, I think everything about that band has aged pretty well. Like, yeah. like I, I think that's a band you don't look back on. And it's like a nostalgic listen because I get just as pumped. I'll put them on, and I'm. It's never a thing where I just listen out nostalgic. Which I say that I've only been listening to them since like 2013. So like I'm, right. I'm fairly new in that in those terms. But like it's never a thing of listening to. It's like oh, I used to like this album. It's like anytime you put it on, you're pumped and you want. I just am ready to like listen to all four records. Yeah, yeah, and you know they're uh, hopefully you know will be coming out with another (laughs) album within the next uh i don't know five years or something like that but that would be that would be incredible and i know that you know i would probably love it as much as this album because um i i'm the type of dillinger 4 fan that kind of like enjoys and i and kind of bands in general i like what they're what they're doing like their next release Mm -hmm. i i think that when bands try to challenge themselves and try to innovate and, um, you know, mature like musically. And I think that the, I think that that just leads to a, a really great record. And I think Dillinger four is kind of one of those bands that's, that they're just going to get better and better. Um, even though, you know, we're not, we're only getting like, you know, two albums or whatever. And, you know, a 20 year span or you something know, like that. You know that. what I've realized about that though? When you're a fan of a band who doesn't release music, like they only release it periodically, when that's happening, it does suck because you're wishing for more Dillinger. Like I, and it could be Dillinger for any other band. I wish they released more music. But what I've started to realize by a lot of bands who you look and they've been around for like 40 years and have like six records, sometimes those six records are really, really good. And you realize, yes, I could, I wish I had an album like every two years. But I might, that, those could be shit albums. Like, sometimes, if Dillinger 4 wants to take their time, like, they're a band who I don't, I know it's going to be good. I'm not afraid that they forgot how to write a Dillinger 4 record. Right. You know right. what I mean? They're not that yeah. band where I'm like, they can get back together, they can write something, and it's going to be good. Like, they can put out a Dillinger 4 record in, in 2025, yep. and it's going to be as good as the one they put out in, like, 1997. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. that you know the quality's there. And, like, I would rather, honestly... I'd rather that because maybe Dillinger 4 would put out albums. They'd start putting out records where you go, I like like five songs. You know yeah. what I mean? They become yeah. one of those. We know a lot of bands who later in their in their career, 
they may not even suck, but it's like any record they put out, you know, you'll like four or five songs and you'll just forget yeah. about the rest of it. Yeah. It's, it's just not, you know, it's over for them in the in terms of like the peak of their songwriting. I don't feel sure. that way with Dillinger 4. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. But uh, yeah, I mean, anything. Uh, I, oh, I did want to ask you, though, as far as just Dillinger 4 in general, where does this one fall on your list? Is this your favorite D4 record? Or This is my favorite D4, D4 record. Right. Um, I... I think you know I was I was a big fan of um, versus God. I mean, all basically all of their all I of their like albums. You like them because they all have. It's, it's hard to pick, but this one this one just kind of I think that it landed in my life at a time when I when I it just hit me and and uh, landed exactly you know perfectly you know mm-hmm. and and. So it's just always going to be the one that's like that when I think of Dillinger 4, this is the album that I'm going to always want to listen to first because the songs are are just so kind of like exciting and pleasing to yeah. my ear, you know. Now it it is. I mean I I don't I I don't feel like I have anything else to add cuz I've just and last time we just talked about our love for D4 too. Exactly. So I, I got into so much but like yeah, I mean they're just a band. When I think of them, I just I love I love everything about them, and and I love hearing as well from people who saw them back in the day, crazy stories and shit like that. But, yeah, I uh, did I did see them um, tour on this album when they were. This was um, the album they toured on. They were touring on it um, after yeah after it came out, and um, they were touring with No Effects. Saw them in Cleveland, and um, that was incredible. I mean, like. I like No Effects, but if you're gonna if you're gonna have a bill with No Effects and Dillinger Four, I mean, I don't think you can get much better than that. That's you know? pretty good. That I, I've never I've seen No Effects a few times live. I've never seen Dillinger Four live, and I really, really every time when I lived in Minneapolis, every time they play a show, it'd just sell out. Yeah, I could never make it to one. They'd all sell out before I could get to it because yep. they played a few. I was up there and just nope, no luck. Are they doing the D Fourth of July this year? That I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I wonder that. I, and I know they did after Triple Rock closed. That one I just missed because I was out of... They did that when I lived up there, but I, I ended up like five hours away with my uncle. But that I was another one I'd love to do is like the 4th of July yep. would be a, a, a dream come true. But uh, yeah, so moving on, I guess, to a number five on mine. And I feel like you'll probably have a few things to say about this record because uh, of the shirt you're wearing. Yeah. But <laughs> number, number five, I had to go with Legwagon. Let's talk about feelings. Uh, with Legwagon, I mean, there's there's a lot of albums I feel like you can pick. But like this is, I feel like this one's kind of like what you just said with Dillinger 4. This was my first Legwagon record. I got this, and I was way late. Like I, I had new... You know, there's some of those bands like I, I don't know if you had this, but like when you're younger and you're getting into punk music and stuff, there's certain bands who even if you never heard them, you hear that name a lot. Like because people are talking about, like you yeah. know, like I remember the Get Up Kids before I ever heard them, I bought something to write home about before ever hearing it because all these bands love are like, yeah, that's a record. Like we're a band because of this album. I'm like, right. I don't need anything else. I'll just buy that album. Yep. Legwagon was one of those bands where long before I ever heard like heard their music, you heard of them. Yeah. So like I knew it I already knew I'd like it. And that cover too, like just the album cover for it just gets you right away. You're like, this is just something about this it's called Let's Talk About Feelings. It's that iconic cover. You're like, all right, I'm probably gonna like this. Like this is my thing. 
Yeah, um, and the artist is um, it's like Marco Mar- DeSalvo. Yes, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he did a lot of those fat records, oh, the best covers, ones. and and especially Lagwagon covers, um, and like the interior artwork and stuff. He did No Effects, Heavy Padding Zoo, and <laughs> one uh, of the best ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the, of course, it's going to be like you know a. a and amazing illustration and uh, definitely catches your eye. You know what I like, I think, about what he does, too? I like kitschy things and things that kind of look like they come out of the 50s or something like that, like that era. Yeah. And his artwork has that. You know what I mean? That There's, Norman Rockwell kind of feel. Norm- yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? That is perfect. It's a, like, demented punk rock Norman Rockwell where it's yep. like – it's a it's kind of like a fucked up situation, but you can tell it's like supposed to almost be this like it's kind of poking fun at like that carefree, you know what I mean? That like image of the fifties or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's very good at that. He has class, and he still does. Uh, I think he did the bomb pops last year. I think they're if if they did it, whoever they use to get their artwork looks just like his stuff. Yeah, he has that very. He's like Coop. Do you know who Coop is? The guy he does. If you saw his stuff, he did like all those '90s like tour posters. There were they're really like I I don't know. They're like I can't even explain them. But like if you saw it, you 100 percent would know this guy's yeah. stuff. But it's like that where you'll just see something. You go, that's that. It's that yep. guy. Yep. Like it's him right away. Exactly. And yeah, this this record like just it got me. And the best thing too, I found it for a dollar. I found it in the dollar bin. And uh, that's insane. What an album to find in the dollar bin. It was like 2011, I think, up at uh, Shout Out the Exchange in Erie. Yeah. And I was just going and like, you know, coursing through and I'm like, oh, yeah, Leg Wagon. Like, I've, I've heard this, I've heard of them and stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, right away, the, this record, I feel like, I feel like what I like about Leg Wagon too is they're that in between. And I think on this album a lot too, where they're that in between of a band like Strung Out or something where they're technical and they're kind yep. of metal influenced. Yep. But also that kind of Blink 182 melodic side where it's like we also play, you know, uh-huh. not per se, not not really simple, simple, straightforward pop punk because they are all really good musicians. But yep. like it's that in between. You know what I mean? They're that they're that center lane of that, of the more hard technical side and then the melodic just fun pop punk songs about girls or whatever. Well, I, you know, I, and I think that Lagwagon, um, it's no surprise that those guys were like kind of metal influenced, especially early on. And I actually mm-hmm. think that this is the album that they, um, they kind of shed it the most. More than the old ones, you're right. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of ushered in the, the, you know, new era of Lagwagon where they were playing. Um, kind of like the cleaner, cleaner songs that weren't as like riffy or, you know, have oh, like yeah, weird yeah, yeah. little like ska riffs or something in there. <laughs> like they kind of, they kind of had matured enough. Cause I think there was only about a year between this one and double platinum. And Holy so shit, was that it? Yeah. And double platinum, if you listen to it has all incredible songs, every single song is record. like a really great um just really you know catchy great choruses just really great like four chord songs and stuff but this album um is challenging in a way that's like good like that mm. they kind of like they 
made it a little bit more technical without being trying to go more like riffy metal. Yeah, they yeah, they yeah, just yeah. kind of like uh, things just kind of like went together, came together um, a little bit more polished, I guess. And I agree with that. yeah, um, in a in a way that they hadn't they hadn't done in the past. On, on double platinum too, and I never think of it, and I love that record, but it's always funny because as we're talking about how earlier stuff does have a little more like riffing and like metal influences and stuff they had ken stringfellow on there from uh the posies he put I, I interviewed him a few years ago and i wish we didn't have enough time i would love to talk about him but he was the guitar player just on double platinum he was on yeah. no other records but he played on that and that's just so interesting to me because he's not he's from the posies they're like a, and he's very he's an amazing musician he's like he's so goddamn amazing but like He's not the guy you would think of for a band like Legwagon. Like he plays yeah. like power pop and like Beatles-esque right. stuff. Like he's right. not like he can solo and stuff like a motherfucker, but he's not really playing. Ri- you know what I mean? He's not yeah. coming from a side of I love Meta- and maybe he does, but like you don't listen to his music and go, "This guy's like coming up on like Slayer and Metallica and shit yeah. like that." You know? I think that you know that could be why he was only on that one album. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that could very well. And that's something I wrote though too. I got to give credit. I mean, they've always had good guitarists, and obviously, I love the Posies and everything Ken's done. So like, I liked his addition to that. And I think he helped on songwriting. Like, I think you can sure. hear some of his songwriting on there, which yeah. I think on that side I like. But Chris Rest, the addition on this, he's yep. a great guitar player. Yeah. He was a good addition. I think he fits with what they're doing on this album. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, it it just kind of like brought in. And I, yeah, I think the drummer was, um, who was the drummer on this one? Damn, I can't remember. It, Derek Plourd? Was no, he? he was out by then. He actually, he may have even. And then it was Dave Ron? No. I think it might be Dave. Dave Ron. Yeah. I think it's the dude after Derek. Yep. I think you're right. So he's, and he's the drummer for me first in the Gimme Gimme. Oh, he so, is? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think there was just this kind of, this change and, and, you know, like I said earlier, where the songwriting kind of like got, you know, up to level a little bit. Yeah. I think that this record definitely displays that. I, I think another thing too is like, you know, we were talking about Dillinger 4, just how good the lyrics and stuff. And Joey Cape's another where Joey Cape does get some recognition, but I truly, I don't know. Joey Cape's going to be one of those guys, and I, I hate to say it because I think he should get while he's alive, but I, I feel like it's going to be a Tony Sly thing where we're not going to really go like, God damn, that guy, like, look at how amazing that man can write a song, like, until he's gone or something. Because it's like, just his lyrics even. Like, again, because Fat Records... You get a little bit of everything. You have those bands who are joke bands and have songs. You know, you have friends of Rom, and then yeah. you have bands who it's like are propaganda. You know, yeah. one's singing like one's doing dick jokes, one's talking about like an oil crisis or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like there's different spectrums of it, and I think just Joey Cape is very good at like. Like, can just write a song. Like, and we've talked about this, but he's one of those guys who can just. It doesn't matter the genre. Joey Cape could write. Any genre genre album, like, and it's going to be good because he can just write a song. Like, you know, yeah. he understands chord structure, he understands melody, he understands, like, just good lyrics. Yeah. Like, because that's another one. Double Platinum, I'll say, like, alienates one where, like, just that song, I go, God damn. Like, yep. that's, that's, like, that's unique. Like, yeah. Not every fat band was doing that then. Like, that's, that's, that's not what you heard every single band doing. Like, they have a lot yeah. of unique aspects to Legwagon. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, like with Double Platinum, um, they had hit that 
that really melodic they were like trying to go more melodic with like the you know the beatles chords or whatever yeah, which and, is all ken because the posies yeah. are all melody and exactly things like that, you know uh, but they still if you listen to like the guitar tone of double platinum versus the guitar tone of um let's talk about feelings it's like it's like two completely different bands you yeah know? one's like kind of like really dark and then feelings is like just really bright and you and clear and you can kind of hear everything and and it's, it's crisp and best, clean in my opinion it's probably their best sounding out like like to your ears i feel like it's yep. the best like it's cleaned up and stuff yep. like you know it, it definitely and you are right there is there's like a difference there between like that and the earlier stuff the interesting thing too is right they like broke up not long after this i think they put this record out and this was their last one until they got back together i'm not, I'm not sure i i, I want to <laughs> say they broke up for a while after yeah. this like not long mm-hmm. but i think they did which i like i don't know i would love to see what they obviously they followed up later yep. but years later like i would like to see what the record like a year after this or something you know would have been well, I know Blaze came out sometime in the early two thousands. Then, um, then, then uh, now I got to see if they really did break. <laughs> Maybe I'm yeah. fucking lying. Um, so so Blaze came out, and then they did. I think Derek Plord died yeah. um, after that, and then he wrote the album Resolve, which is yeah, like that's a, lot. That's a heavy that was, fucking album. Yeah, that was based. That was like a reaction from from him, and. Um, then I I want to say that the next release was I think my older brother used to listen to Lagwagon. Yeah. Am I? Yeah, you're okay. you're right. And also I was gonna say I'm half. Well, actually they did break up. They did the blink thing. They went on indefinite hiatus. Yeah. That's just a way of saying you broke up. Yeah. In 2000. But they got back together in 2002. So yeah. really, I thought they were at least broken up like four or five years. They're broken up two years. That yeah. doesn't fucking count. They ain't re- they took a break. Yeah. You know what? They took. I don't care what Wikipedia says. Legwagon <laughs> took a two-year fucking break. That ain't breaking up. Suck it, Wikipedia. Yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, this this record, I mean, uh, and one of the things to my heart, which I mean, if, if it's a fat album, it probably most of that, but like. No songs over four minutes. Most of them are less than two minutes long. That's how I like my music. I like I, it, yep. it hits you. It comes. It goes. Um, I will. And and I kind of said too. It's kind of an accumulation. Like I do think. And again, they took their little break after this. But this is the build up right before they took their break. Where I feel like it's all the good things from previous albums. Like yeah, yep. they kind of toned certain things back. But I like it because I feel like if you blended, if you blended everything from that first decade of the band yeah that's let's talk about feelings i feel like yep. that's everything summed up in one place mm-hmm. and really i didn't i didn't realize it either until today like i knew they've had different members throughout the years but that the only two throughout the whole band has been uh joey and uh chris the guitar chris flippin yeah i didn't realize that mm-hmm. i thought they at least had a couple others but it, and i gotta say though too that makes sense because I, I know you're a fan of versus the world too but when you hear like the riffing, like in Versus the World and the Legwagon, you go, oh, yep. yeah, he has a hand. He has to have a hand in the music as well. Like, I don't think he has a hand in lyrics, but yeah. Chris definitely, I assume he's the lead player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And um, Great fucking guitar player. Yes. And also hilarious that that's like the tallest guy you've ever seen, and then Joey yep. Cape's like the shortest guy you've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. As a short guy myself, I can relate to that. 
Um, have you ever seen them live? It's I so have. weird. There's such a difference in height with them. They were actually the first band that I saw live at um, Warped Tour oh, up really? in uh, up in Buffalo. And uh, what year? Um, I don't remember. It was like early. It was like 2000 or 2001, maybe. Oh fuck yeah! Um, and uh, so. I think the RX Bandits were there, nice. Lagwagon, um, Bad Religion. But so we got there. We were super late. It took forever to park and then like get in and, and everything. And right as my brother and I were like walking through the gates, I heard Lagwagon playing. And just immediately, st- I had no <laughs> idea where I was going. I was just running Chase towards sound. the sound. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they were, yeah. And so that was like my first experience like seeing a live punk band and that was like that was really really cool and you know i've always loved live shows ever since then so but they were uh yeah they're like i've seen them a handful of times over the years and and they always put on a great a great show they do i've seen them twice and yeah they're always they're just always fucking great I will say, and, and we can move on unless you have anything else uh, to add, but like, and I think this song works amazingly, but it is odd. I always forget that there's an Agent Orange cover in the middle of the album. Everything turns yeah. gray. I was, yep. for, And I forget that's a cover because it's yep. a great, I think it's a great addition. I just think it's so weird. I don't, I don't feel like that's a leg wagon thing. Like all of a sudden, in the middle of it, there's just a cover, which I don't know. I just think that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I always like out of nowhere. That's that's definitely the song that, like, uh, I guess if I had to have a least favorite song on there, it's probably that one. But just because it's like the more kind of like old school riffy sounding sounds, song of the it album, it sounds like an old leg wagon song. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, I think that's why they picked it in that way. Even they though, had to have. Yeah, like like that's why they pay the sounds like oh fuck this sounds like us. <laughs> but I mean, you know, at the same time, they're they've got their roots, uh, you know, musically yeah. and stuff. So it's sometimes you just you do things because you know it's like I'm not worried about what the fans are gonna think of this song. Like yeah. this is a fucking rad song that I listened to when I was younger, and this is <laughs> you know this I'm just gonna put it on there. Yeah, who gives a shit? I like it because yeah, I feel like covers either. A lot of times they're on an album and they just fuck it up where I go, God, why'd you put that on here? Because yep. either it's too well known and it takes you out of it because you're like, I know this isn't something about it. But this one I feel like it, it sits in there well, but I feel like it honestly, yeah, as you say it, I feel like it would have fit even better on like an older Legwagon release. Yep. You would have thought it was an original song. Yep. You know, but uh, yeah, I, I love this record. Uh I wrote down a couple songs. I mean, May sixteenth. As I'm, I'm an asshole for even mentioning that. That's everyone sure. knows that one. But after you, my friend, great opener. Yeah, I would say the one-two punch because two of my favorite songs, that into Gun in Your Hand, is yep. fucking just really, really good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, uh, if you wanna, you got anything else for this one? Or nope. All right, if you want to do it up, let us know you're a number four favorite. Okay, number four, 2010 Flatliners Calvacade. With um, the runner-up being Great Awake. Um, but Calvacade is my favorite Flatliners album. Mm-hmm. Um, it really pained me to not put Great Awake on this list. But I think um, the guys were so young when they got signed to Fat Records. Um, they had released Destroy to Create, which is like mostly like those really fast 
like ska kind of like songs and stuff that they probably recorded that when they were like 16 or 17 or you know like super young and they were like when they when they got signed to fat i know that they had mentioned that they were the youngest band on fat that had ever been signed to fat so like they might not have even been 21 yet so um you know when when they released the great awake it was it was kind of an evolution of their sound you know a little bit less ska still like that aggression and stuff but when Calvacade came out, I think that there was a certain maturity that they had hit and um, a certain evolution in their song writing that these songs are just so well like composed lyrically, musically, everything just fits. And it's so like it hits all of those notes between like high energy, speed, they slow it down, they go half time, they have some mid tempo, like more kind of like like radio single style songs on yeah. here, but like it's just a good handful of songs that's that's I think, you know, one of the more underrated albums on Fat Records. I feel like too, and I, I kinda like you picked that one because I feel like when you hear Flatliners too, the one you always hear is uh is a dead language, the next one. Yeah. Yeah, like that's the one I feel like everyone talks about. And I was saying, like, I like I like the Flatliners, but like, I'm I'm kind of like casual. And I actually only heard this album uh, last year for its 10th anniversary when Fat really? put out the re-release. I got a I got a download of it, so I was like, oh, I'll check it out. Like, I'd heard a few of uh, I like Dead Language and stuff. I heard that, but I'd never heard this one. And I really like this record. This is this one. I was like, fuck, how'd I never? I was like kicking myself. I'm like, because I mean. Just for not actively going and looking up the rest of their stuff, you know what yep. I mean? Like, and I've seen them live. Like, I saw them on the Fat Twenty Five tour and stuff. Yeah. I think I saw them somewhere else too, uh, maybe even a festival in Canada. Yeah, uh, I think I saw them there in Kitchener once. Yep. But like, a uh, really good band, but just never took the time to really go back. And yeah, hearing this one, I'm like, my god! And again, in context, it being 2010, and you think of where Fat was 2010, like this man's kind of kicking it. This is what I'm talking about with them having like like them really kind of stepping it up in 2010s. This is kind of the beginning of it. I feel like bands like the Flatliners, one of the yeah. first ones where it's like, oh, it's a breath of fresh air. It's not just all these old bands and against me or like yep. something like that. It's like, sure. oh, now we're getting new bands who have their own identity and aren't just, you know, we're not, hey, remember this band from 20 years ago. Like it's like an actual right. new, and that's insane. I didn't realize they were that young either. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, they kind of had this like rawness when they, when they first started, that's typical of like younger bands and stuff. But, um, by the time this album came out, you know, it's their third album. But when you listen to this, the album's opener, the calming collection, Mm -hmm. and it's just like, like a punch in the face, like, like blazing speed. (laughs) They've got the, then like the band drops out and it's just the guitar and then everything kind of pops back in and it just really gets your blood flowing. And like then, you know, Chris's voice comes in. His voice is perfect for that music. Like and, his voice is oh, yeah. perfect for that kind of like aggressive punk rock. Like Yeah. It's like uh, I was thinking about it today. I was listening to the album and I was like, just put on just that first song. And I was like, it's like a like a rabid animal just like coming <laughs> in, just like like screaming and and like raspy and like then you know they will hit they will do certain things where where the verse comes in and um 
it's like really aggressive and almost kind of hardcore sounding and then they like hit a note and like the vocals become like melodic and like Mm -hmm. there will be like a three-part harmony coming in like behind it and stuff and like so it just ebbs and flows between that aggressive edginess especially the first track that uh, that aggressiveness and like melody and then you know you have a you have a melodic bridge and a solo and like the songs can kind of like can breathe and and there's just it's really kind of diverse and and really complex in a way that not a lot of the other like fat records bands had had done up until now no i i really do i think this this uh, band i think was a breath of fresh air and i mean again at this point I feel like they've signed. They have a great new roster. Like I love all the new. Like Fat's back to having like new up and, that you discover through Fat. Like you're not yeah. just going back and going to Fat because they're re, you know putting out the fifth album from this band. You're like finding new bands to them again. And yeah, this is one where I'm like, oh, they they like got that right. I will say this, and I'm I'm gonna ask you. You're more familiar with their music, and I don't feel this way now because I feel like both of them have kind of changed their sound up more, and they've been around a while. But older Flatliners, I kind of always got this vibe. It was like, I always thought of them as like Canadian Menzingers. I'm like, this is the Canadian version of the Menzingers. Not so much now. I'm talking Mm -hmm. like older, even this, like 2010, 2012, like that earlier. Because the Menzingers used to, now now they're a little more mid-tempo with stuff. Mm -hmm. Like when they were more like aggressive, kind of yelling vocals, a little faster, like... I kind of got the similar vibe, and I always feel like maybe that's why I didn't give Flatliners more of a chance originally, because yeah. I'd already discovered the Menzingers, and I'm like, I, I felt the same way. I don't, I don't know if you listen to Man Overboard or Transit much. I don't know if you got into that side of pop punk, but I was always, I liked Man Overboard, never got much into Transit, and once I really started realizing, I'm like, these are one of these bands where you get into one or the other. It's one. Of, yep. It's not that one's bad. Yeah. It's that you're gonna, you're gonna, one of them's gonna get you. And the other one, you're just kind of, you know what I mean? Like, all your attention's going to one of them. Well, didn't they put a split out, like, they really probably early did, on? Because I think they toured a lot in the yeah. early days. I think yep. Menzingers and uh, Flatliners toured a lot. No, not the uh, Man Overboard oh, and Transit. Oh, that, oh yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah. They did, yeah, the Man Overboard-Transit split. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. So, um, I think that, I, I mean, Menzingers, I always thought... Like their early stuff sounded like really early against me stuff. I think that, that they were really right. yeah. ag- against me uh, influence. But can I be honest? That's what I always thought about uh, Flatliners too. The more right. I listen and I still hear it, mm-hmm. I definitely think they like against me. Sure, but I don't think they're so much a ripoff of against me as yeah. maybe I used to. As, as yeah. Maybe I once thought before I heard enough of them. Yeah, I mean, I thought I always thought their early stuff, their like ska stuff. I mean, you know. Back then, they're like bands like Leftover Crack and Choking Victim and stuff were like doing that like aggressive like hardcore ska kind of sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I think that I always compared it to More that, that I guess. But you know you know when you're doing ska, it's like you can bring in any kind of influences and oh, and again, it's also me saying that for a long time I give this band a fair enough shot. Sure, where it's like that was my. That was from my eyes going, oh, it's like they're the Canadian version of the Menzingers. Right, you know? right. Yeah, I definitely don't think that they are. But, I mean, this this album, if you're going to give them a chance, like, and we're talking a lot about ska right here. There's only, like, one ska song on this album. I love album. me some ska, so yeah. I, I like yeah. ska talk. But there's, uh, you know, if you've never heard this album, like, you're, you're only going to get the one ska song. Also, and- by ska too, I feel like they have ska in the same sense that 
the Menzingers early on would do things where it's ska in the sense of like the clash. Like the mm-hmm. clash would do sure. ska-ish things where it's like, all right, this isn't a ska song, but they are playing on like the yep. upbeat and like shit yep. like that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's less less than Jake. Yeah, yeah, more, yeah, yeah. More like like it's not like they break into like a real big fish song. It's more like kind of like clash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, influenced like reggae ska kind of, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, I would say. Yep. But you are right, because that's a good point, too, is, like, there are later era ones. So there are people maybe listening to this who, are like, are all about the early shit who have missed bands like this. So, like, this is one. This is a band who, again, I think Dead Language got some attention. But they're a band who I think fell through the cracks because it was during a time where maybe people weren't jump, you know, weren't thinking of Fat Records when they were thinking of new bands. Yeah. And I think um, I, I also feel like uh, around this time, maybe a Wilhelm scream was coming out with career suicide and uh <laughs> our favorite dillinger four album. yeah exactly <laughs> horrible but um i think that that there was a uh i i was listening to this and i was finding a few kind of comparisons between them because uh you know there's like this this aggressiveness into melody that like yes. those bands did really well back oh, then well, and extremes. i think was kind of a common thing back around like 2010 yeah I, I also think, and, I, and another reason why maybe I give them, you know, we were throwing around the against me thing earlier, and I do. I think there was a time for a while there, and I think maybe people even forget about it now, but, like, I feel like punk bands in, like, the mid-2000s into 2010s, if you're kind of aggressive or had a gravelly voice, against me. Like, you're kind of right away, like, this band sounds like against me, where now it's like you don't get that so much, and it's, and it's almost like a fest band. Now I feel like that. You look at some bands like, that's a fest band. Yeah. That just aggressive, you know, hot water music sure. against me, Flatliners, Willem Scream, like, yep. and there's a name for it, actually, and it's stupid. It's like agro-punk or something. I Yeah, I guess so. There I used know. to be a name. I don't even think they use the name where I just remember uh-huh. used to see it on, like, interviews on punk news. They threw that, like, yeah. title around. But, uh, yeah, Flatliners are definitely, like, a later era fat band that i mean i I think have gotten love i think they have been now like i feel like they do pretty well for themselves but like another one where yeah it's like they need more credit where it's like this is like good later fat like you know these these old ones are good too but fat mike and whoever and i think aaron signs a lot of bands i think she Mm -hmm. may be the other one who yeah you know whoever there's picking the bands it's like they, they have a good ear at like new stuff yeah exactly and if you um if you listen to chris cresswell's one week record with joey cape it's um you can't you wouldn't even like recognize it as like the same songwriter or same singer because he's singing clean on those songs and it's like acoustic guitar and all stripped down and i think that he also kind of evolved as a singer as well you can Mm -hmm. hear that between um between this album and dead language and their you know album after that so um i think that this one was like you know kind of like that kind of like with Lagwagon, like this was that catalyst between the early records and then kind of evolving a little bit and kind of changing their sound. The best sound bands a have bit. those, I feel like, because you yeah. have to. If not, you're just rewriting the same albums. I think the best bands kind of have those, like that album you need that's a bridge. Mm-hmm. Like this this is album, album C can't happen without album B. In yeah. the middle. You know what I mean? Right. Like in between album A and C, there has to be a B right. or else it's not going to work. Exactly. You know? But I would definitely recommend checking out Calvacade. And um, also, if you really like that, check out The Great Awake because it's very similar. That's still, the one before it. That's the one okay. before it. Still, still has that high-energy, aggressive 
songs, a few more of like the Scott oriented songs. Mm. Um, and that one's just a really great record too. But this one, this one definitely took, took the cake is my number four. That's awesome. Uh, any, anything else to add to that one or shall we move on? Uh, no, I don't think so. That, that is a good, and I will say, I got to give my, even though my, uh, my poser ass only heard this album last year it is a good record. Oh yeah. It's a very good record. Mine is, uh, for number four, I had to go with Lesson Jake with, uh, Borders and Boundaries, another band that I don't think of as a fat band. There, yeah. we were talking about this earlier. Yep. I don't think of them at all when I think of fat records, but I forget that this record was on it. Kind of a weird one to be on there, but I mean, mm-hmm. also a weird Lesson Jake record. Like, I don't know. Are, are, are you much of a Lesson Jake fan or? To be honest, this this album almost made my list when I was oh, going through yeah. my okay. gut my gut reactions. This um, makes me happy, so you I, have things to say about yeah, it. Yeah, this this album was really really close to making the list. Fuck yeah, I, yeah. that makes me happy because I wasn't I didn't know if you were a big Lesson Jake fan or not. So you just never you know what I mean. It may just yep. be me sitting here talking about my love for it, but like. This album, this is another one. I didn't hear this until they reissued it in 2012. They yeah. they redid that. And I got into them weird. Like I heard Lesson Jake back like around Anthem, like yeah. like watching Fuse and stuff. I would sure. I saw them like those music videos, like I knew she was she's gonna break soon and stuff like that. Yeah. And then just kind of got into them in a weird way where like because they have so many releases too that I would be like, all right, I'd get this one, and then I got Pez Core, and then I got like you know, like then they're like, uh, like GN, like the one from 2008 they put out. Like, so I'm just all over the yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. You yep. know what I mean? Like, I have no clue where I'm at. So this one, and to be honest, too, this one doesn't get talked about enough. So it kind of was under the radar. And then I picked it up. And before I heard it, I always, I not always, but like I, I'd seen online stuff people talking about it. It was kind of a polarizing record. You'd see both that people either like it or they don't. Basically, yep. And so, like, I went in not knowing. And, like, right away, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, okay, this is amazing. Which, for me, too, also, I will say, as someone who got into them all mismatch or whatever, I I realized that their sound changed throughout the year. So, it wasn't as big of a shock. Now, maybe had I just heard Hello Rock View and I go to the store two years later to pick up the follow-up, I may be a little shocked at the sound. You know what I mean? It's kind of different, but it's like... I love it because I think at the same time, Lesson Jake never really wrote a record like this before or after. It was kind right. of a one-time. Yeah. But it, it, I will say, though, they never rewrote it. But like we were talking about Bridges as well. And I thought of this when we were talking about Flatliners. It is the bridge to Anthem. It, yep. is, it is very much. I think this is the album, which I mean, uh, what should we call it? Uh, Look What Happened. You know, yep. that, that one obviously on Anthem it, afterwards. Yeah. You know, like you need this album between Hello Rock View and Anthem to uh, happen, and yep. just like this whole record, like front to back, they they still have the funny songs, like the the humor's still there, but like there's just that really a side of them you never saw before. Like I feel like Al's War was kind of a foreshadow of it, where like yep. Al's War hits you at the end of Hello Rock View, it's like fuck, mm-hmm. that's kind of a heavy song, like. Yep. You know, but like never really. Every now and then you'll get little moments, but never big like that. And then you get that record, and it's like this is a very, it's mature. It's yeah. kind of dark at times, like yep. you know. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think that people people had a similar reaction to Hello Rock View after losing streak. They were like, "Dude, this band changed their sound. This <laughs> is stupid." And you have a song like Al's War, and they're like, "There's not even like ska." 
in there. So it's like, got all of yeah. And so then you have borders and boundaries and people have the same reaction and, and only through like hearing the other albums that came out after that, I think people, um, are able to appreciate what borders and boundaries was. I, yes. I did love this album when it first came out. Um, it was, I was like just getting into high school and, um, less than Jake was like one of my favorite bands. And so to me, it kind of sounds like it's like, um, this album is, is not just like putting on an album and listening to music. It's like opening a time capsule, um, or like reading an old journal, like from your, from your youth. Like it's, it's immediately you are transported like, um, to you know, all these different sights and smells and everything. Like to, to me, that's what this album is. Um, I didn't put it on because I was like, well, you know, nostalgia is not a reason to like have it be your, you know, top, top album. Yeah. Like as far as like the songs go, cause there's, you know, there are certain songs that I'll skip or, you know, whatever, or like, you know, the lyrics are goofy and like, um, <laughs> Oh yeah. They didn't totally get rid of joke songs. on right. this. There are a few that are definitely joke songs. But when this, when this album came out, I was, I was definitely blown away. And like the, um, the first song Mag- magnetic North is like that, that just kind of like gets me just, totally transports me every single time and um of course like look what happened is like a huge hit like that's you know one of their arguably best songs but um, that is kind of probably their like but well and like that and maybe like a few others that has to be one of their most well-known sure it may not be like a like a radio hit but that's one of their most well-known songs i feel like yeah and i think um i think that this this album just kind of like again it like kind of ebbs and flows through these different different scenes and i think that the that the drummer was the one that that Vinny. wrote the lyrics yeah. yeah so he wrote he is an amazing lyricist Vinny wrote uh and he's out now but like you and i'm not saying this like the lyrics aren't still good but like even on now like they just put out their first full length since he left uh at the end of last year and it's really good yeah, but there's a difference. You yeah. can you can tell there's a difference. Like someone else is writing those lyrics. Again, I'm not saying they're bad. You can just tell it's not Vinny writing them anymore. He yeah. had a very distinct way of writing. Yeah, and this one, I think, um, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it just kind of felt more personal, like the as far as the lyrics go well, and I, the maturity I can tell goes. You, there's a really good. Uh, oh, you like mixtapes, Ryan? Ryan from mixtapes. Yeah, uh, his old. He used to have a podcast. He might still do it. Big Snackers, but years ago, like 2013, he had Vinny on. Like he was doing like an interview with him, and uh, Vinny was talking about why it sounds that way. And I forget who it was, but they had a friend who killed himself right before they went in to record this. Yep. And it like he was talking. It's a great like. I would love to go find this interview again because I've never heard. He got really into it in a way I've never heard like Vinny really talk about that record or just things in general. And just really what it felt like. I think I remember him. I couldn't, again, it was almost like 10 years ago. But I think I also remember him saying they recorded in like Hollywood. And it was like down the street from like a methadone clinic or something. Like a real yeah. rough part of town where he's like, you are you know, you have you have the suicide of your friend. You're walking down the street to go to 7-Eleven. You're just seeing this shit yeah. all around you. And it's like, 
it it plays a role of why this album sounds the way it does. Like one hundred percent, there's a yeah. reason why it's why it sounds this way. Not trying to play that party ska. Anymore. Yeah, like this isn't the time. <laughs> Some of these songs we don't need horns. Yeah, the horns might. Yep. Like you know what I mean? Or like, they do them. They don't do them in like a. They're tasteful. Yeah, like and and a lot of it is like. Uh, it, it, it's in a in a way that like maybe you would use like oohs and ahs in a song yes, or yes. like kind of like layered in um harmonies but not just like um like tooting out a little riff like a real big fish kind yeah. of song sometimes you know? i feel like like what they'll do almost play like rhythm horn where like yep. they'll play along almost to the bass or the rhythm guitar or something yep. where like you're saying it's layered in there you don't hear it cuz it's not playing its own melody or something yep. but it's just kind of playing along to the rhythm yeah. and you'll kind of, and you won't notice until you watch him live or something like that and go oh shit i yeah. realized he was like playing there yeah exactly but no like that uh and that's the other thing i think that's the first lesson jake record where yeah they're really they start writing songs where you there's not horns on every single song like sometimes we just don't well al's al's war which again i I really is kind of a foreshadow into later on but like you know the other thing too with less than jake that i guess kind of uh you know i'm thinking about it more now but like like i don't know how you feel with uh in with the out crowd like i like that record i know a lot of people don't but some of their most like adventurous ones where they don't just write a straight up sky record i like the most but i feel like they're a band which i get it but it's like if they feel like fans don't like a direction they're going into I feel like they won't continue that way. Well, yeah, you less than I mean? less than Jake's definitely very fan oriented, and yeah. as an independent band, like that's I mean that's literally like their income. That's how they're that's how they're surviving and, yeah. and getting through you know each work week or whatever. Um, I mean, possibly not anymore, but like that's oh, definitely like what still... they were doing. They were grinding out on tour for years and they're they're one of the bands that i've seen actually like the most live and they're one of the best quality live bands i've ever seen as far as as far as the energy the entertainment value and uh the crowd engagement and everything they definitely know how to put on an uh insane show every single time there's not there's not ever a night where they're phoning it in and so it does make sense that they're that they're, uh, you know, trying to kind of make sure that their fans are happy with yeah. with the music. I mean, how much that is, I'm I'm not sure. I think that even they they would agree that in with the out crowd was kind of like that was like a little bit of their like their wacky album that kind of like <laughs> if there's one that they're not going to play very many songs off of at a live show, it's, yeah, it's probably going to be that one. Um, I think the next one, Gainville, Florida, is like that was like kind of more of a return. That's what I mean. Like you have that these one, where yeah, like it, that that one kind of like comes in and it's like uh, like okay, well, you know, we had we had this time where we were kind of like experimenting and stuff, and here's the stuff that you love the most yeah. about uh, you know about what it, less than Jake. You know what I think of that record, and it came out around the same time. It was a lot like Newfound Glory is Not Without a Fight because before mm-hmm. that they put out Coming Home. It was mm-hmm. a mature record. Yep. And then they came out and it's like, oh, you want you fuckers want riffs? We yep. got riffs. Like, we remember? Go. Remember yeah. this, guys? Remember these? Like, you remember that chugging? Yeah. Like, you know, you remember Easy Core? Like, and I'm not talking shit. I like, I like both those records. Yeah. I like, I like uh, Gainesville, Florida. I like Not Without a Fight. 
But it is funny when bands come, they do like that return to form album where you're like, it's very obvious the one before this, the people did not like, yeah. they did not appreciate the change in sound. Yep. What yep. I will, I do want to contradict myself for a second though. What I will say is with Anthem, I will give them credit because though I don't feel like Borders and Boundaries sound straight up like Anthem, at least they didn't do the same thing where then they went back and wrote a straight up Sky record. They still went in another direction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. They maybe didn't write Borders and Boundaries Part 2, but they also didn't write Hello Rock View Part 2. They didn't go back to that. Sure. And with Anthem, I think that they, because um, they also released around the same time the B is for B-Sides. Yeah, there's some good um, fucking songs on Which that. has some really great songs, and there's some like fast songs and ska songs and stuff on that. And I think what happened was they probably had like, you know, went to the studio and recorded this big batch of, of songs, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the ones that went on anthem you know were the ones that kind of like fit the most on that yeah and and i'm not sure this that was like their major label debut as well so i think um, i think yeah so i think you know maybe there were other other things kind of uh dictating what went on there and what didn't but um borders and boundaries to me is always going to be my favorite less than jake album you know, I and see, I like that. I think it's mine too, because there's always, and this kind of goes with making my list where you go, but what about the classic ones? There's always that part of you goes, but is it, you know, because for a while it was Anthem, because that's what got me into them. And then you yep. kind of think of Hello Rock and shit, but I'm like, no, this one, because, you know, the other thing too, which you're talking about, like, like what songs work best for Anthem and stuff, they were on a major. This was on Fat, that was yep. on a major label. And actually, before this, I think their major label, because they weren't on a major before Fat, they got dropped. Yep. Went to Fat, we're on a major again. But if I remember the story correctly, like the major didn't want this album. So they're like, sure. go, go to Fat Records. With, like, we ain't releasing this. Get like, out of here with yeah, that. Yeah, get out of here with this shit. Like, we ain't, we ain't doing Ska's it. Ska's dead. Yeah, Ska's dead, man. It's 2000. 2000. <laughs> it is. It's 2000. You need to have man. a rapper in your <laughs> like your yeah. rap rock kind of thing. Yeah, this is, we need rap, rap rock, guys. But like the thing with that on being a major, and I love Anthem, but the major label did have their hands on it. They're sing- they did single versions. Like if you hear, they made single versions of songs where there's no. They just removed horns. The sure. only difference is there's no horns in this anymore. <laughs> like so, like they did things like that. And I also think production plays a role because going back to uh, in with the out crowd for a second. I know we're talking about borders and boundaries, but if you hear them play, because they don't play a lot of in with the out crowd live. You're right. Talking about being fan favorite. Sure. But when they do, if they play the right songs and you take all that glossy production off, yep. those songs hold their own next to a yeah, Hello Rock View song exactly. or an Anthem song. Like There's songs like Landmines and Landslides. That's one of them on there where I go, if that song wasn't so polished and clean, it'd be everyone's favorite. Yep. People who love old Less Than Jake would fucking love that song. Yeah, there's, exactly. a, there's a couple songs on that record where I go, that really... And I also, I feel bad too because I'm like... I do think they had a couple songs on in with the out crowd, like rest of my life where I'm like, you know, that could have been a bona fide single. Like I'm surprised that sure. didn't do more than it did. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if it hurt them because they were already known as less than Jake. So maybe, yep. you know what I mean? Like household name, they're not a mainstream band. So people don't, maybe don't already have those connotations, but like people already know them. Think a warp tour and ska and all this. So like already they're maybe not as into yep. it. I'm, I'm surprised the just mainstream crowd didn't attach to that more. I always thought yep. that was a song where I'm like, they had a few on there where I'm like, 
I'm surprised those singles didn't do more for them. I think their biggest hit is always going to be the Good Burger theme song. <laughs> probably. You, you know what's funny? <laughs> I, that, I guess, is technically my first Less Than Jake song. Yeah, I had that so soundtrack when I was like three. Yeah, exactly. So, like, and I, for years, I never realized I was them either. It Surprise. took me fucking years. Yep. <laughs> but, oh. uh, yeah, this album and uh, Steve Kravick, I thought he did a good job uh, producing it and... Uh, Another one where, yeah, it's another reason why I like it so much, and it's pure. I was getting this a second ago. Like, it's not on a major. I feel like Fat Records, I don't see Fat Mike telling them to do certain things. I feel like they were left alone. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Make the record you want. And I feel like whether or not people like this, this is exactly the record less than Jake wanted to make at sure. this time. This, yep. is, this is the album. This isn't we came in, like, in with the out crowd. That may have started differently. And then you get in and a producer does things and the label wants this and that. Like things happen. Whereas this one, I don't think that at all. I just think this is this is exactly what they wanted to do. And uh and as well as transporting it back, I mean I, I still like you were talking about you being in high school, I had a I just started college and I even just had like my first car when I had this, so like just fucking mm-hmm. blasting it, having you know, having a car, being able to go do things like you do you do put it on and it transports you back to a certain time. But nostalgia aside, I do think it still holds its own because I will say I'll still listen to it. And, uh, yeah, there's some songs that I mean are maybe a little more skippable if you're, like, listening for relatability. Sure. But it's, like, overall, I think it's aged really well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sad they don't play more live. I, I've seen them live a lot, and I think the only songs I've ever seen are Gainesville, Rock City, and yep. Look What Happened. I think uh-huh. those are the only – maybe Suburban Myth. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and I wrote down one of the – or actually – oh, no, I did – one I'd love to hear live, never see him do is bigger pitcher. That's an uh-huh. underrated one on there. Where I go that I would like to, which I guess they have because that band always plays albums front to back. So I'm sure at some point they've played all these songs live. Yeah, well, so um, one time I saw them. I don't remember what year. Did you it was. Do the, the the wheel thing. Yeah, where yeah. they spin the wheel two yep. albums a night. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. So um, they and it was like it was crazy because it was like they they really committed to the bit it was like a price is right stage yeah right? I, i've yeah. only seen pictures but it's amazing and like the like whole setup krista makes was the was the host and everything <laughs> and he's like wearing a suit and all this stuff and and like that guy i mean he's like one of those people that could easily have been an actor in a oh, different life yeah he called me a son of a bitch once and i thought it was charming yeah. yes it's like some bitch you came back you remember me from earlier and like even yeah. though i'm saying it's like oh hell yeah you just called me a son of a bitch <laughs> yeah so his podcast is is amazing too because he does he breaks down uh, just like a song just mm-hmm. a single song with the artist that wrote it. So he oh, just yeah. did um, a couple episodes ago Joey Cape with May sixteenth. So nice. like that was like kind of cool listening to it because um, I think he breaks it down from an insider musicians perspective that mm-hmm. like uh, the artist or band like has never really been asked those things before yeah more so, specific you're yeah. gonna get from a person who's also been asked those you know yep. what i mean like that yep. guy has the same brain he's like oh i've also had a a and r guy from major yeah. label tell me to do this ridiculous thing to a song or yeah. something like that you know he's not afraid to get in the weeds but anyway so this show this tour they did it and um they made like the the um price is right like wheel kind of thing <laughs> and had fans come up um and spin the wheel and the two albums that they landed on were um, 
losing streak in Hello Rockview. And, like, the crowd just went nuts. Like, everybody just went apeshit. And then there was, like, I mean, they they were, like, bringing people up on stage. There was, like, like a little, like, uh, like uh, goth girl or whatever, like, just kind of, like, standing, not having like not looking like she was having a good time so they like brought her up on stage and had her skanking and everything and it's like i mean yeah that's just a fun fun band like they want to make sure that everybody's having an incredible time at their show and is oh are always going to like talk about it because that's the thing is like when you when you put on a live show and you impact people's lives like individually and then they go home and like tell their friends about it or talk about it like years later like you're creating more fans just just through second hand you know i took a friend to see them once years ago up in rochester they're playing like a one-off like 2014 and my friend just kind of went with just kind of go with and he he was in the sky actually this dude thought i was fucking with him on the way up with mosh pits he didn't know what moshing was and he truly thought i was fucking with him when i told him what this was I don't know if you ever tried to describe to someone, not show them, describe to a person, these people who aggressively like run into it. And, and then it, to ska music too. You're like, yeah. yeah, these people might run into each other, crowd surf, jump and shit. But anyways, we went and afterwards I asked them because they do, they just put on a fun show. And he's like, it's not my kind of music, but it's fun. He said it would be like me going to see Nickelback and enjoying it. He's like, <laughs> he's like it may not be my yeah. thing. But I get it, yeah. and it was really fun. You know yeah. what I mean? And I loved his analogy because, as we said, it's like imagine you going to see Nickelback and you enjoyed yep. it, yep. which was a great analogy for him to say to me. It's like he gets me. But, like, again, yep. it's like they are – and same with Warp Tour. Like I've seen them so many times on Warp Tour where it's kind of the same thing. It's some goth fucking teen waiting for, like, Falling in Reverse to start on the next stage. Sure. They may not be into this. On any given day, they're not going to listen to Hello Rock View. But they're shooting toilet paper at the audience. They're shooting them with squirt guns. Like, you can't not enjoy. I always, another one, I throw them up there with Bowling for Soup, where I don't care what you think of their music. If you went to a Bowling for Soup show right now, you'd have the best fucking time of your life. Like, they, it's a band who, again, they're not playing songs. It's not a band where it's like, we're only going to play songs that you don't, we're only playing our songs that we want, those deep cuts. They're playing what you want to hear. They're fucking around with the audience. They're bringing people up. You know, they're just, they're doing shit like that. And that's a huge, uh, I don't feel like we can talk about Less Than Jake without the live show. I mean, sure. that, that's a exactly. huge part. I mean, yep. one of the most fun, fun bands and a reason why they, uh, I think are the most like play, like played the most warp tours. Like there's a reason sure. you have them on every yep. year. You know? I, I can't wait to bring my daughter to a Less Than Jake show, oh, you know, yeah. that's whenever that happens. But it's you funny know. too, you, that they landed on uh rock view and losing streak. I saw them. In 2016, play both of them, but they they didn't do that. They were just they already. Yeah. It's like you're going to that, but like, holy shit! Like by the end of it, there's just no stopping, and you just played yep. these two records with no. But there's no it's not like a slow. Here's yeah. a slow acoustic song. Here's yep. this and that. It's like by the end of it. I mean, I wanted to I wanted to vomit from like dehydrate. Like I yeah. just the sweat running Covered off. Sweat. Of the dude next to me, like everyone yeah. around me, everyone's sweat is on each other. But everybody's smiling oh, and their voices so are gone yeah. and they're like, this is the best day dude, of my, my life. my throat was fucked up for days. Yeah. It was one yeah. of those where my, and I, not even like an exaggeration, like days, like my voice fucking hurt. Yep. Because you just like right away fucking yell Liberty City, fucking burn it to the ground and yep. from there just not, I think they might have played Rockview before Losing Streak. I don't think they played sure. them. In a, I think they went Rockview and Losing Streak. Those, I mean, either way, a great fucking time. To be honest, if if 
you know, less than Jake, if I, if I'm seeing less than Jake and I know that they're going to play an entire album through, I would prefer it would be either of those albums those are good live over, yeah. over Borders and Boundaries. Oh, like, I, I think that Borders and Boundaries for me is that's it's not about the, the listening. Yeah. yeah, it's about the listening. Oh, experience. dude, dude, the very first, the very last thing, and, and I'll I'll end on this unless you have anything else on the album. Sure. But the last thing on here, not the Less Than Jake album you play on a hot summer day, good for fall or winter. Because it's not. <laughs> yeah, this isn't sure. the record you put on to get in a good mood. Mm-hmm. Like, they're friend. you know what I mean? Like, like the, they were depressed when they wrote this. They weren't in the best place. Like, you know, uh, I think even a song like 1989, I was listening to that the other day, and we were just talking about, like, where the fuck is the last 10 years went and why do sure. I feel that, you know, like, yep. just things like, there you go, God damn, you can relate. Or like, one of the best, and, and then we can move on. But last hour of the last day of work, I'm like, how can't? How do you not relate? Like, how, right. everyone can relate to that song. Yep. If you can't relate to that song, like, it doesn't matter who you are. Have you ever worked a shitty job? Yep. Have you ever felt like your life was wasted? There you go. Like, yeah, relatable yeah. as shit. Adulthood kind of like really letting its gravity weigh on you. Yeah, that you don't, you know, that isn't the fun loving ska. Sure. Or like, you know, wish I yep. had my own flag or like fucking Jen doesn't like me anymore. You know, yep. like, but uh, yeah, I, I love this record. Uh, any Anything else on this one or shall we move on? No, that's just a great, a great pick. I'm happy you love, because I didn't know. And again, that's a polarizing Less Than Jake record. So I'm happy to hear that was almost on your list. Sure. But yeah. uh, if you want to do the honors, number three. Number three. So, you know, you were talking about like a summer album. This to me yeah. is like the perfect rainy day moody album to just <laughs> Those like. Those are good too, though. Put on and just not not like do anything. Just kind of like stare out the window and listen to it and contemplate. This is 2003 Lawrence Arms, The Greatest Story Ever Told. Ooh. Yeah. Goddamn. This, this to me um, you know, I've I've read different things about how this was like kind of like a concept album and there's definitely a a mood and a vibe and an atmosphere to this album that um, you know, is like you have to listen to the whole thing in its completion in order yes. to like appreciate because there's callback lyrics and it's self-referential and it's like it's cinematic the 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 metaphors and similes that they use in oh, their in their that. descriptions. This to me on my list is probably um, my favorite lyrically, the, my favorite yeah. album lyrically um, and and concept wise. They just really paint a picture in a way. I I wrote down the word cinematic. I like that. It's like it's like if a movie was just us was just music you know there was no like visual to it it was just kind of something that that you know was able to transport you and and take you to different places and that's what this album is for me well you know uh and not just on this one but like the lawrence arms very much have like dillinger four where like you know dick joke and you know brendan kelly you're very funny and shit sure but lyric like that man knows his shit like i don't know does i don't know if he has an english major or something but like he know he very is well educated he knows his shit his lyrics are very deep like they're another one where on the surface you might go like yeah they'll make jokes and you know they'll be a funny punk band but it's like no don't think those guys are stupid like those sure. fuckers read their lyrics they yep. they are smart guys yep and and i love that this has like the dual vocals um you know, it goes back and forth between Chris and Brendan and like this 
aggressiveness with this like kind of tender melodic you know they go so bad like and i i don't think they'd like it but it's like even though they never go full into it there's even times where songs do almost go into that post-hardcore era i don't know if i want to use that because i don't think they would like that word maybe that's not the right one because i'm not saying they sound like thursday or something like that Mm -hmm. but they aren't writing the straight up punk songs of apathy and exhaustion there's this is like we were talking about albums that are kind of shifts this is a shift into that sound that a lot of people the oh like you need this for O'Calcutta and stuff like that. Right. This right. is the album that like really I feel like shit changes. I think it happened twice for them, and I think on this is a big one where there's the sound that they had before this record, yeah, and then the sound after it. Sure, sure, and I, I think like you know uh, some people maybe wouldn't like the duality of this record like because it's almost like you took two different albums and put them into one yeah but it's still the same like musicians playing the same instruments so to me it it lands as cohesive and um it you know you can listen to it and just be like oh well this is like a good you know whatever rock album or whatever but if you if you actually like pay attention and you pick up all of the little things that they're putting down and listen to the lyrics and listen to just musically the different things that they do on on bass and guitar and even drums like it there's so much more there than you realize at first yeah and and this is one that you can kind of keep coming back to and like finding all these these new like little elements that you know, make it so much more complex than you, than people usually give it credit for. And I, I'm happy you chose this one too. Cause like, I love, I like old Calcutta. I feel like everyone picks that one though. Like that's the one they talk about. I feel like this one's better. Yeah. And I feel like another thing, this one and Metropole are up there. As some of my favorites. And I feel like they went back and kind of did that again on Metropole that like you were talking about the callbacks. Yeah. There's like this, it is cinematic without the visuals. Like they really do paint a picture. Like you can sure. tell what they're they they really and sometimes it's not a pretty picture. Like I, I think Brendan Kelly's really good at writing lyrics sometimes that don't paint a pretty picture, but they right. paint a picture. Right. And right. sometimes in this, but even like the Falcon and the Wandering Birds and stuff, yeah. He can write some really demented stuff that like sure. it's not it may be unsettling sometimes, but my God, that's what he's going for. And right. he, you know, he's very successful at that. Right. And I've I, I've heard you know Chris's like acoustic albums that he's put out Sundowner, solo albums stuff. and stuff, um, you know I I think that this is like the perfect um, display of his um, his songwriting and his capabilities as a songwriter to to display like you know this this kind of visual story. Um, in front of you like his songs are are kind of like the ones that I gravitate more to on this album but I think in a whole like you kind of need all of these different parts to kind of make this perfect this perfect album that like even the the intro song and the outro song are like you know the same kind of chords and like same same melodies and it's just like a little like 10 second like acoustic guitar, you know, sloppy thing. And, um, I, I think that this, this album just kind of like really, really works well. Um, and is a really great display of like classic Lawrence arms, Mm -hmm. uh, songwriting and, and some of their, some of their best songs. 
that they've Easy. ever written. I gotta agree with that. I think some of these like sit up there as their best. I, I like it too because, and I totally agree that there's kind of like two things going on in the record, and it is Brendan and Chris when you think are kind of writing two different. Like you could almost take, you can almost split their songs up, sure, and have two different releases in a way, right? You know, but the thing is, is is um, you know, when when you especially when you first hear like the first couple of songs. There's definitely a, a difference between the two songwriting styles. Yes. Um, however, by the time you get to um, like track ten, so there's fourteen tracks. Um, by the time you get to track ten, they kind of tag up a little bit, and th- and that's something that I think when they when they did O Calcutta and Metropole, like they that was something that they intentionally did more of where they like, it's not just one song or the other song. It's we're both, this is our song and we're kind of doing like, you know, dual vocals on these songs. So um, when you get to like rambling boys of pleasure and like the disaster March, it's almost like it's a Chris song, but sung by Brendan. So it's like, they kind of like that by the end of it, there's this, there's this uh, unity that, that is kind of just pleasing to your ear as you're like going through the last, the, you know, the last kind of third of the album. Cause I feel like in the beginning and what I like about it is Brendan's songs are very fast and in your face and just kind of, it's an energy more than anything. Like it's very fucking uh track two or I can't remember the name, but telephone. Yeah. Like yeah it's yeah. not the name. It's on, not the name of on it. with the show on with the show, like a song like that where I go, I love it. You can't tell half the words he's saying. You're right. But that's what that's what you love about it. Just fast, aggressive, mean. And then you'll have a Chris song come in. And then, again, I'm terrible with the names. But the or his first – it's before that one where he's like yeah. – it starts with I never. And yeah. He's real kind of um, slow. The Ron Searing Flesh. Yeah. Look yep. at right there. Those two songs are – so you have one that's kind of – this is the softer side of us. Then you have the other where the dude's just fucking yep. – yeah, like the mic's just going to like – it's going in the red and shit. And then same with uh, – uh, alert the audience a great one at the point yep. where he j- where whatever that like in the in the uh that build up at the end where it's just like uh i can't remember all the lyrics we just kept saying fuck yeah <laughs> like yeah. but like i and i can't remember all of them but he is one of his best lines is uh povichian i can't remember but maury povich like he's thought oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Po- drinking my cries like it's yep. a great but it really like it's a it, it kind of goes back to I think some of his like lyrics and like the Broadways and somebody was kind of political sometimes like sure. it's that real it's social commentary like it is and that's what you're talking about themes I think that song is very much like music industry where it's yeah. like it's this it's kind of like Against Me did on Searching for a Former Clarity where a lot of those songs are like it's the part of the music industry we don't like yeah it's yeah. the it's the kissing ass it's the doing it's doing everything that's not writing music well you know and it's funny that you say that because i think after this when they were um after this album came out they did the warp tour and they <laughs> got, got kicked, off. kicked off yeah because <laughs> <laughs> they were just talking shit from stage and which part of me I, it's so funny because i i I think that's awesome they did that, but at the same time, I feel like they've used that forever now where they still talk about it. I'm like, all right, even the Warp Tour is not talking hey, about you guys Jesus. getting off anymore. Yeah. We can yep. end it. But yeah, <laughs> no, they, and I and I think they were valid. I get where they were coming from because they are. The, the Lawrence Arms are very, and I was thinking about this today because I've heard people talk about how, like, 
like the Lawrence Arms never got as big as maybe they should have been. But at the same time, I think about their music and I go, I don't know this band ever would have been on the radio. I don't think so. They never got as big as a Green Day or Blink or something. No, because Brendan's vocals are too. They're not yeah. like they're not something that goes that goes well on the radio. You know, that's like an acquired taste. You have to be kind of on the inside of the club to listen to that and be like, oh yeah, this is good. Because if you just if you listen to it, if you don't listen to punk rock or like you listen to punk, but you usually only listen to singers with clean voices. Oh yeah. Um, out of context, it's just like, what? Why is this guy even singing right now? He's he should not be the one that they picked as the singer because he's like a, either a heavy smoker or like just super raspy. It's funny you say that because I don't think of that sometimes. But like, I'll be listening to something fairly loud, and it's like you know, there's people around. And I don't think of that because I fucking sure. love it. But you're totally right. You're like, someone probably walks by and goes, can't tell what the fuck that guy's saying. It's really fast. He's like yelling. Like, it's like, what the, why are you listening to this right now? They, <laughs> Anthony they, must be going deaf. It's like, but like, <laughs> they must have the same reaction I do. And I hear people listening to metalcore that's just so like, the vocals are just like in a yeah. way where you can't, you can understand the vocals as well as you can read the text on the yeah. fucking shirt or album art. Like yep. that kind of death metal where I go, like I don't, I don't, I am an old man. Like I don't fucking yeah. get what you get, what you goddamn kids are listening to, and they probably have the same thing. When I'm listening sure. to like the Lawrence Arms, really loud. Yep. But you're right; it is kind of acquired taste. But like, I didn't think about it because I've heard people say that before. Like, oh, you know, they never really got that big or, or as big as they should have. But it's like at the same time, if you get kicked off Warp Tour and you're writing albums like this and stuff, I mean, you're not where where was the trajectory? You know sure. what I mean? Where were you supposed to? Sure. Like, I think best case scenario, I've seen them. Like, I've only seen them once, but they sold out at the grog shop in Cleveland. So, I mean, like 800 people. Yeah. I think best case scenario, maybe they got big enough where they played theaters. That may have been. Like, I think that's the biggest they ever could have gotten. I mean, I, yeah. I love them, but I'm just saying, if we're talking mainstream-wise or anything like that, I think the best they ever could have gotten was maybe playing the, like the size of like what No Effects plays now. Maybe they play House of Blues when they play Cleveland. Sure, would be the kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, and I think that I I did see them play the House of Blues with No Effects in Ooh. Cleveland. Goddamn uh, show! Yeah. Oh, that was a while ago too. I mean, they all kind of merged together after this past this past year. My brain kind of went to mush. <laughs> so don't feel bad. I'm I'm now lately remembering shows I went to. From like 2015 that I totally forgot I even like yep. was at. I'm like, oh, I was at that show. Yeah, I guess I I saw that band live. <laughs> so I need to uh, I need to at least see uh, one show in this year 2021, and I'll have seen a show every year since I think at least like 2001. Damn, you have me beat. I've been to a show since October like October 2019. Yep, Menzinger's last time. So thankfully. Um, I saw Anti Flag play at play in Erie basement. Trans- I almost went to that show. Basement um, transmission. It was in February. I almost so went to that. Then, last like year. <laughs> within a month, the whole world shut down, and I was like, was well, like "At least a- I got my one show in." I guess <laughs> that was I don't like know. the last show I was going to go yeah. to too. And I, 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 it was like a Saturday night, I think, and I was yep. just kind of like I was doing something else. I'm like, I'll, I'll go to, I'll go see a show next week. Yep, I definitely felt out of place. That's like really? uh, Anti Flag show is kind of. You know, for me and my wife to go and like drink some micro brew and, and then like get some nice dinner and then oh, oh go to basement going, yeah and then we're going to a <laughs> we're going to anti flag show. It was kind of kind of it was a lot of fun, but um, 
it was a reminder of like how much I would rather like sit in a seat and watch a concert <laughs> now as opposed to like be in the middle of a pit, you know? See, I don't I don't feel that so much, but I do feel like I I've gotten this forever, but like yeah, going to shows where like you either feel like you're too old or like you're like I'm not into like this party more. Like I even saw a tour announced today for later this year, and I've seen all the bands on it. Mm-hmm. But I just look at they're all older than me too. I'm sure all the members are, and everyone would be at the shows like my age. But I'm just like I don't I feel too old for that. I feel too, <laughs> I feel too maybe I'm too mature, but like yeah. I'm too old to go see those four bands on that show. Sure. For me it's just about how much I like the band. I mean, yeah. it's r- really that's that's it. It's like, okay, um is this band a two and a half hour drives is it worth worthy <laughs> yeah and you know the yeah. problem i talk about it all the time and you don't know where people are listening but you're the yep. same you live in the same area you know if you want to go to a show it's a whole day or it's like you have to plan that that's yep. a thing you plan and then it costs much more than just the show it becomes a whole like ordeal exactly. so yeah you re- i've become that as i've gotten older i think i do that more i'm like is it worth driving that far yeah are they that good yep although you know the cool thing about like being an adult is uh you you can just like travel whenever yeah. you want. Um, yeah. You know, you've got to like base things around work or whatever, but it's like, I, yeah, I mean, if I want to fly to Chicago and see a show, maybe I could do that. You know, yeah. like that's, <laughs> I, I don't have to like worry about, you know, the logistics of that. It's just like, see, that oh, is just nice. go, that, you know? that does open it up to Who like cares? go see more. Yeah. You know, I would definitely, um, well, so, I went and uh, did some work with my brother-in-law in Italy last November um, Sweet. in 2000. Well, not last November, 2019. Um, and Lagwagon was touring through Italy oh, shit. that week. And um, so the day that we got done was they were playing in Bologna. So we were in Milan and we finished up our work and got everything packed up. Took a really stressful Uber to the train station, <laughs> hopped on the train, went to Bologna, and we were like the only two, other than the bands, the only two Americans at the show. <laughs> like, and uh, it was incredible. It was like one of the most memorable shows I've ever been to. But uh, yeah, it was like that's that's only that's something that you do as an adult. You're just like, yeah, oh, I'm just gonna cool. like go, uh, you know, to a completely different place in a country i've never <laughs> been to but it was uh they were playing with um satanic surfers and um this band called what were they called time for vomit or something they were like an italian <laughs> band but it was it was cool because they were like um the guitarist and the bass player were doing like dual vocals and they were identical twins oh, nice. and like they would like just run back and forth like across the stage and like you know like usually people have like one mic and the you know the middle mic is the this one person they were just like just running oh, back and forth sharing my, yeah oh, that is, I've never just seen tons of energy i didn't understand a word that they said but <laughs> Then Lagwagon came on and like everybody in the entire audience was like screaming their lyrics in English, like perfect, you know. Oh yeah, and uh, it was that was a ton of fun. They have to appreciate that there because like we're talking about like sure. us having to go three hours. These are bands who like have to come from another country. Like they're probably yep. not playing Italy every month, you know. Well, no, and I mean like the the demand for bands to be playing now is like 
so much oh, higher. Fuck. So I mean, yeah. I don't. Who knows what's gonna happen? Maybe concerts are like, like the new, you know, like Bitcoin, where like <laughs> the price of it skyrockets because the demand is so high. I wonder if the, if there'll be a and then, and then we can like get back to this. But I, as we're talking about live shows, so much to talk about. But like, I'm seeing what I think is gonna happen is everyone's announcing live shows now. I'm just gonna be too much. All of a sudden, it's gonna be like, well, fuck, I can't get tickets yep. to. 10 tours five festivals like and i've seen a few bands mention that like we're gonna lay low for a while we'll get sure. back at to you know like yep. 2022 because i think that might happen this fall we may get so much at once that it's like all right i'm gonna have to be able to i'm gonna have to pick a couple of yeah these. well i guess that's not a bad problem no, considering bad. the last <laughs> it's definitely not bad year and a half we've had <laughs> but uh uh getting back to uh Oh my God! What record were we talking? So about? Lawrence Arms, Lawrence Arms, yeah. great story ever told. Ever told. Um, anything else on this one? I mean, it's I don't think so. Favorite track? Um, yeah, what are, chapter what are a couple thirteen? Favorites? Chapter thirteen. Chapter thirteen, definitely. That's always like my go-to. But you know, Ron Searing Flesh is always like a really, really great song as well. That is a. The, there's really not a bad song on it. The Revisionist is also a good one. The, these are all like Chris songs, but. Um, you don't always forget the second half how strong it is because there's so many good ones on the first one. I listen to it front to back. All of a sudden, I forget how many songs I like on the second half yeah. until they hit, and I go, "Oh fuck!" Like I forgot that's like I forgot that's where it was on the album. Great, great record. It, it really is. I, I love that one. My number three, I picked against me as the Eternal Cowboy, going back to uh, 2003. Mm-hmm. This one I had to think a little bit. Um, I really I like both the records they put out on Fat. This and Searching for a Former Clarity. I think this is the be- the better album. I think Searching for a Former Clarity has a the second half is really strong. Uh, some of those songs are some of my favorite Against Me songs, but this record front to back I think is uh, is just one of their best. And again, at a time where you know we've been talking about it, but like to be honest, if I think of the punk ba- bands that were on Fat Records in the two thousands. Against Me is one of the few that pops up in my head. They're like, I feel like one of the few that really did well uh, during that time, including 2003. I mean, I feel like in 2003, it was mostly fat bands that were already together, you know, all the kind of quintessential 90s fat bands. And this is like one of the first, like, uh, at that time, one of the new ones. And I, I think, too, no one else sounded like that. Like, this shit rules the opener off it. Like, no, no band on fat sounded like that at that time. Which is another one where sometimes you forget because once a band, a sound gets big, you know, you get 50 bands that kind of sound like that. Now, yep. there's a bunch of bands that sound like that on Fat Records and other bands. There's tons of bands who were influenced by Against Me. But at that time, I I don't think there was another band that sounded like that on uh, on the roster. I, I think it was a uh, – I also, while uh, reinventing Axl Rose, that might be my favorite Against Me album – uh, but this is the better album. Like, I like as a follow up. I mean, Laura's voice got better, the production got better, the songwriting got better. Like this yep. one, this one, I feel like when people think back to like now, they do so much more. But like that folk punk yep. that kind of gets attached to against me and that whole sound. Like this record kind of has that. It has both. It has it has really in your face aggressive songs, and then an acoustic song. And, sure. And I will. And I also have to give them a compliment because. A lot of times I fucking hate that. There, I was talking about this on the Alkaline Trio episode a few weeks ago, but like, I love God Damn It. That's one of my favorite Alkaline Trio albums. But in the middle of it, when you put Enjoy Your Day and it's an acoustic song after As You Were, which is one of the most fast, just fun songs on the record, it fucking kills it. 
Sometimes sure. acoustic songs will ruin an album, a ballad, an acoustic song. Against Me does it in a way, and I guess that's the folk punk side, where you'll have a really fast song, and you have, like, Sink Floor to Sink, and it yep. works. They both, you know, they both work. But, uh, I mean, like, where do you sit with Against Me? I, I don't even know. Like, are you Against Me fan? Do you, are you into this album at much? Or? Um, I was a really big Against Me fan when this, um, when this album came out because... Um, like I said before, it was the songs were kind of they weren't necessarily what I was listening to at the time because there really wasn't very much that sounded like at this at the time, um, and it was it was challenging in a in a way that you know made you uh, a better music fan. Yeah, you know there was it's like. If if you can if you can sit through this and you can appreciate this, you know you're going to you're going to be able to appreciate so much more music because of it, and you're going to be able to appreciate this music more for what it is. Um, this was definitely on my honorable mentions. Really? Um, this this era of against me kind of like just really had a big impact. Uh, on me at the time and i was like i was like in high school still when this came out and um i don't think i think i had heard this and then heard reinventing axel rose which i i really fell in love with that album but i think rose yeah i think that this this album is their bridge album between that folk punk and like the rock that they that they kind of morphed into. And this was kind of, um, Axl Rose, they were like doing basically like the full band version of like the acoustic yeah. folk songs that, that they were doing. Folk punk. That album, like even though the songs are fast, they're not, they're very, a lot of them are very folky. Like yeah. they're like, it is a lot more folky than on, or not on Axl Rose on, uh, the eternal cowboy they blend it a lot better. They do that, yeah. you know, they, they blend it a lot more than on that first one. Yeah, there is a more specific kind of sound that I think they cleaned up on this. Like, I think sure. it's still, I think it's still there, but it's cleaned up a lot more. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a little bit more kind of polished. It's, a, it's, the songs are a little bit more well written. Yeah. Oh, um, you can tell that they were written with a full band. And, um, that's a really good point. Actually, that's a really good fucking point compared to the older stuff. Right. You're right. That's like the first one where you can tell, okay, this is written like bass, guitar, drums, vocals. And you can tell, you can tell when a band, um, does a lot of live shows and they think about the energy of the songs that they're playing for the live show as well, because this is one that was, uh, like, when they toured on this on this album and they played these songs like the whole room went ape shit <laughs> and i've got um the dvd that came out like the fat We're record never going home? yeah yeah um, i've seen that one so and you can you can tell like you know the the energy the passion that they put into these songs um is just kind of like uh you know snowballed from their previous their previous album and um just kind of explodes it into this new this new way that they they you know were just kind of like getting good at and like really getting in the groove up and 
they were, you know, they talk about on the on the DVD like how they were getting courted from major labels and going to. I feel like that's most of the DVD is basically yeah. them fucking with major labels. That's like the whole DVD. And and you know them them kind of like discussing it and like these like anarcho punks like talking shit about against me at the sh- <laughs> at the shows and like calling them sellouts for going People to forget fat this records era and like stuff. when they yeah. and that's just fat. This is yeah. before new wave. This is before signing. Yep. to like sirenship, but people forget about this era of against like you fucking sellouts for yeah. signing to Fat Records. Yep, and and changing their sound and all this stuff. But like, you know, like looking at it through through the lens of history, like you can see, like um, Laura had had plans that were kind of bigger than this. I, and I think you're right. Um, and that's just like a really special thing for like people to, um, especially musicians, because they're like you know kind of like really self defeating people, and and can like limit themselves and let let you know internal battles kind of dictate what they do and what they don't do. And so um, to be able to see their career kind of like take off in this trajectory after this album maybe because of this album um i think a big part has, of it has been really awesome you know seeing seeing like how far they've come over the years and and they you know they could do like huge giant festivals and play to like 30,000 people and you know everybody go go crazy but you know i guess my personal preference is like this era where it's they were playing era. like yeah. you know dingy bars and everybody's packed in and sweating on each other and that's what i think of when i think of against stuff yeah so still to this day so i think this was this was kind of like a special album at a special time in their career i and i could see and it's it's funny because you're talking about like them being thoughtful about like live songs i wrote on here contains some of their best live songs exactly when you go see them live these are what i'm waiting for i've talked about on here i saw them it was basically their record release show for shapeshift with me like five years ago in pittsburgh and I get it. It's a record release show for the new album. But the first half of the set, they only played songs off like their two newest records. And the whole time, like, wh- like I get it. They're new songs. But I want to hear those songs that make me jump the fuck. Like, I want to lose my shit. Sure. I'm an against me show. Sure. I want to hear this shit rules. Yep. I want you to fucking yell the party's over. And when it starts to go, I just start jumping around everywhere. Like, that's what sure. I want when I go see them. Because yep. there's a difference. Like we were talking with Les and Jake. I love Borders and Boundaries, but if I go see them, I want to hear a few of those songs. But, I mean, there's a lot of more upbeat, up-tempo songs off other albums I'd rather hear. Sure. You know, there's sure. a difference between what you want to hear at 1 a.m. while you're driving and then when you're, like, in the middle of a pit at a show. But uh, this record, yeah, I mean, live live songs, I uh, I easily think some of their best. And, again, it's interesting to think about because – now, I mean, 2003, this album's almost been out. I mean, it's been out 18 years now. Against Me's had so many different eras. They have different sounds and stuff. Like, this is an era. This is now, there's yep. so many albums away. But you forget that. How much, really, like, they were. They were a special band. I feel like on Axl Rose, it was special. But, like, Crust Punks and shit liked it. This sure. is the one where industry watched it. Where industry yep. went... What's this band packing like 300 kids in a small room? Yep. And they're screaming their fucking head off, heads off. And again, look at what came out at Fat. And I was looking at it. They didn't release a whole lot in like 03. 
But there is not, including fresh shit, they're all releasing bands. This is like their fifth release on Fat. Right. Against Me is a breath of fresh fucking air. Like, obviously, tons of bands sound like that now, but you forget it. You know, you, yep. it's one of those bands where you forget years later because you're now, like, desensitized to it and you've heard 50 bands. You could go to Fest this year. There's yep. 50 bands that sound like Against Me. You're going to find, you know, like, easily. Whereas this time, I mean, yeah, you had, like, Hot Water Music and shit, which also from Gainesville, but, like... You didn't have bands that sounded like this. And, uh, yeah, I think really had a huge impact. And people forget that, too, the whole sellout. You know, coming from that scene, too, you come from a scene where it will really bite you in the ass, including when you go sign to a major label and stuff. It's like, you know, and and when you write a record, too, I mean, searching for a form of clarity is, I mean, I I think she said that it's like a a, a concept record. And listening to it, you can tell half the songs are discontent for the music industry. Right. Half of them. Half of them are about, I mean, just uh, the other day on the radio show, I played, uh, uh, fuck, what one is it? Unprotected sex with multiple partners. That whole yep. thing, the whole like second verse is just talking about like cuts that each, like the management gets this, the label yep. gets this. Like it's, it's very much like we're writing about the shit that's going on now. And that DVD, like where they're being courted by labels and shit like that the whole time. Like yep. they really, you know, they were doing something special to a point where, it did come from a pure place, and then yeah, yep. kind of like you know, bigger labels that are fat. But I also don't see them ever. I don't think they were ever banned, and I think you said it a second ago. But they never, I think, thought they were going to stay on fat. I don't think that was ever the plan. They always had. I think you said they had bigger plans, and I don't think yeah, fat was a part of it. But mm-hmm. I don't see them ever trying because those don't sound like. If you think of that again, they don't sound like leg wagon or strung out or really right. no effects for that matter. Like. They come on. Also, they recorded this at uh, Ardent Studios, which is a uh, it's like a famous studio in uh, in uh, fucking uh, Memphis. But like big star, the replacements, like tons of bands that I love. I, I know Laura loves all those bands. But that's the reason she wanted to record there. But fat sure. bands don't record at Ardent. Stu- you know what I mean? They're not recording right. there because big star record there in the seventies. Like they're going. They come from such a different place, I think, than a lot of fat bands. They weren't, and also they're from Gainesville. They're not the Southern California skate punk band from Hermosa right. Beach or Santa Barbara or something. Like they're kind of coming from a different place. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's something where I think almost twenty years later, you forget a lot of the politics and shit that were around yeah. against me at that time. But yep. like, there was a lot of shit that went with the music. Like they weren't they weren't a band who could just release music and that's it. There's a lot of shit that kind of went around anything they said or did i feel like for quite a while yeah exactly and and you know i think also um a lot of the of what she was going through as well as far as like you know uh just mentally like alcohol abuse drug abuse all of these things that that you don't see you know like you don't see it on the on the dvd or like you can maybe like tell like in hindsight, like, oh, this is a person who's maybe going through some shit right now. It's all hindsight. A lot of that is. You and, realize it's so later on. And and so, um, you know, when you when you look back from record to record, you can kind of see this evolution of um, how how a person copes mm-hmm. with the things that they're going through, like and putting themselves through maybe, or like you know, like like with um with the record labels putting pressure on them and them being kind of disillusioned with the whole process and then um following it up with a major label 
you know, <laughs> debut. Like that's always and, thought was funny. And then you know, and then um, transitioning and doing the whole like concept album around that, and you know, feeling I guess like that whole f- feeling of being comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Um, that was kind of you know when when you think about her songwriting and and being comfortable i i think that um there was definitely something that that happened that was just like this this kind of being able to breathe and this this kind of comfort that happened and this is like it could be why that they don't play these songs because there could be like just, just internal like. yeah, yeah. and inter- just internal issues i know that there's i've heard of bands that like there's certain songs that they don't play live oh, because even if the even though the lyrics have nothing to do with it it's they have a personal yeah. connect a personal story connected to this each song or whatever i kind of appreciate that because it sure. means you give a fu- you actually give a shit about that yeah like i'm always sad alkaline true is my shame is true i really like that album but I guess that's one of those. Like Matt Skiba, it's like a breakup record or something. And he said, it's like, I, I, it's hard to play those songs. So they really, sure. they don't play a lot of them, which sucks because I really like most of that record. Right. But I get it because I'm like, hey, wait a second. It almost makes it cool because it's like, oh, that guy really meant those songs. You're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like the, the connection you have in them, no wonder you have them. The guy obviously is writing about real shit if he can't fucking sing the song because it right. reminds him about, you know, you know, like a breakup or something like that, you know, yeah. whatever it may be. So I just think I think the 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 crazy kind of uh, roller coaster that that was against me's career, um, you know, starting off like playing like acoustic guitar, like you know, just on the street, yeah, in, just gutter, just true in Florida, punk, fucking. so like where they are now is, you know, what what a wild ride, you know, it's been. So, but this one is definitely like. This one kind of hit me at that time where I was feeling kind of angsty in high school yeah. and like really needed to be like hearing these these songs and like it's not that they're like like angsty in a young naive way. No, like, it's they're this, smart. It's like a dull day. It's like and she still does like really well. That's why I really like. I don't know if you listen much to like Laura Jean Grace and the Devouring Mothers, but right. like that record she did. It doesn't sound like early against me, but it's that same pissed off kind of like, yeah. you know, like like just one song about her ex wife and like the whole thing, like you can sure. tell like there's just that piss and vinegar and stuff. You can tell this is kind of her therapy session, like with yep. these songs. Like you can tell that screaming your fucking head, like her scream and stuff. That is a genuine like that that howl, that voice mm-hmm. is not something you can fake, right? And That's it's like genuine. It's definitely yeah, authentic and. And you can tell it's like the uh, catharsis for the for the pain, and that's sometimes what makes the the most incredible music. I love on this on this album. I think one of the highlights uh, was it turn those clapping hands into violent fists, something like yeah. that. But just that buildup of that song of just there's this uneasiness, but it doesn't break down till the very end. Yep. And before that too, I was looking at it today. I think almost every song is under two minutes on that record until that one. That song is right. the longest song. It's like right. four something. But again, like vocal delivery, like that whole, like, I hate this fucking stupid drum beat. And like yeah. the way she like delivers those lines in a way where if you did that the wrong way, they'd just sound cheesy. That song sure. could be cheesy if you didn't do it the right way. Sure. And, and you know, you can you can see like those little elements of, 
of struggle and disdain and everything. And like when you, you know, when you have a song like that, that's got so much tension that builds, the, and, you know, the crowd can feel that and the crowd picks up on that energy. And, and, you know, when it, when it releases, it's like, everybody's just kind of like going crazy and like everybody's kind of all on the same page. They're good at doing that. Like the, it, it, it's a little more polished in that one, but the ocean always hits me that way where like mm-hmm. it's this buildup and that and including live. Cause it's a lot more raw live, but just by the end there, it's like a whole nother, like, you know, again, it doesn't have the uneasiness so much that this one has, but it just has that real buildup of like something's coming. Sure. You don't know what, but you know the song's going somewhere else. You know it's not just going to sit here. And same with, uh, oh, the other one off uh, New Wave, uh, Born on the FM Waves. Like that one kind of like, and it's a little, and again, it's cleaner, but it's that. It, it starts off a lot softer and then just fucking hits you in the face later on. Yeah. You know, which which is just, they're, uh, they're fucking amazing at that. But yeah, this this record, and again, the duality of it, to have a song like that, and then you close the song with this short, just acoustic number. Mm-hmm. Which I think is great, and I—it's funny. I heard her open a set with that once, and she said that's the most hated against me song, the last song on <laughs> on uh, uh, as the Eternal Cowboy. I don't know if that's true. I love that song, but I'm like, I love how you go from like the most aggressive song on the record to then like the most just laid back because it doesn't even have a moment like Sink Florida Sink where you have that you're gonna fuck it up and it gets kind of aggressive for a moment. The last song on this record goes out in a whimper almost in a yep. good way. Yeah. But they don't go out on this big fucking number. It's not Black Me Out. It's not, which I guess it kind of did on Axl Rose as well. The closer on that too is, uh, you know, you're kind of going the whole time and then you kind of hit people instead of going out with a big one. It's it, They go the other way. Sure. You know, it's like, okay, sure. we'll do the acoustic number. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing is when you think about, um, you know, ways to end an album, like just the sequencing in general of an album is... Uh, it's huge. It's... Yeah, and it's it's the way that people are always going to remember your album, and it's um, you know each song is is you know the as as it fades out or ends is the way that people are leading up to the next track. So when you end an album on um, just a really great acoustic song, it's kind of like. It's that like, yeah, like winding down um, and closing of this chapter versus like uh, like a movie where there's just like a crazy like exploding scene, like yeah. just some kind of just crazy shit. And then it just like ends. Well, you know what? You know? I think, too, some people want resolution in that way where there's sure. that huge build resolutions like, no, it's a three chord acoustic song. Just yep. girl, I'm sorry, I'm leaving. It's like. Yep. And it's pop, not poppy in the way of it's like bubblegum pop, but it's traditional. You know what I mean? Like a traditional acoustic three chord, just kind of catchy song. Like yeah. that's it. There's a verse, chorus, nothing crazy, real short, like really like it, it's it's almost you could sing it at a campfire. I mean, sure. it's almost like that. But like I love they do that. And, it, and again, they do it a few times on the album. There's a couple acoustic songs. And they're one of the few bands who can have that duality, and I like both. I go, you just you just were screaming in my face, and now you're softly like you know serenading, or as much as Laura will serenade you, you know what I mean. Sure. Still a little brashness, but uh, 
Yeah, I I don't know. I love this uh, record. I mean, do you have, you have any uh, other other things to add to this one? Or I don't think so. I mean, this is just it's been a a long time since I've listened to this album. So go back I'm and definitely listen. going to to go back and put it on. I'll tell you this too, as far as nostalgia goes, it wasn't my first against me record. It was probably like my third or fourth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think it's one of their best. So if that means anything, you know, I don't have the nostalgia so much where I found like new wave was my first one. Like if, if anything new wave would be the one where maybe I have some nostalgia attached to this one's just like fucking like, God damn. Yep. It's good. But it's another one where I go Axl Rose. I love, and that's probably my favorite record by them, but I know it's not their best. I get sure. that. I like it because it's kids writing the. You know what I mean? Like, like baby, I'm an anarchist. Like in the liner notes, I think they yep. said the girl who sings on that was drunk as fuck in like the middle of the day when she sure. sang her parts. Like that's the charm of that record. Same yep. with we laugh at danger, break all the rules. That whole like out of key, just when everyone's singing together and clapping. That's the spirit of against me. That's the spirit right. of that folk punk. You know, and I normally hate the genre. I got. I also have to say this. Most bands that have folk punk or sound anything like that or just a dude with a fucking acoustic guitar singing all weird and shit, I hate that. I hate most <laughs> bands who probably spawned out of – not bands. It's more the solo guys. But, like, yeah. there's a lot of great aggressive like, – like Menzingers, you were saying, like or sound like early against me, the early stuff. But those bands, I don't mind. Like, I can hear it. Same with On yeah. the Impossible Past. I go – you guys tr- apparently heard against me when you were younger. Yep. But at least you don't sound straight up like them. Like, sure. There's places where against me's influence is really good, and then there's others where it's like, you know, I really wish that guy never heard reinventing Axl Rose. I wish that guy with the acoustic guitar yeah. had never heard those fucking songs yeah. she wrote. Yep. But uh, yeah, you wanna? We're we're getting into the last two here. Top two. Okay. Top two. So um, we already talked about this album, but oh, my number two is Lagwagon. Talk about feelings. Fuck yes. Okay. Yep. With and to be honest, like as of like yesterday, I almost changed it to double platinum, and oh, then really? I and then I changed it back. I was like really second guessing myself because double platinum has a lot of these songs that I love, and um, this one I didn't hear until. Um, it was it had been out for a little while um i it was like later in high school when i heard it and um so i had already like the, the songs from like double platinum and hoss um had already kind of like imprinted on me oh yeah and yeah, yeah. so then like i heard this one but the the first i think the first lagwagon song that i had ever heard was probably may 16th because it was on the comp and um so when i when i first heard that song i was like i was 12 in 1998 and like you know my parents were were pretty strict with like listening to music and you know rock and roll and all that stuff so like when i when my brother would like bring home tapes my older brother would bring home tapes um that he got from like his friends and stuff and that's how i got into punk rock because nice. we shared a room and you know hearing these songs and when i first not when i first heard the song but when i actually like sat down like by myself and like listened to the song and listened to the lyrics listen to the melody like i'm pretty sure i cried because i was like 16 i yeah that's i was a like fucking song you strip it down yeah and i i was like I don't know that music's ever going to sound better than this. Like this is this is 
the best thing that I've ever heard. And, um, you know, it was always like one of my favorite songs, just songs, you know, um, let alone just Lagwagon song. There's sometimes there's songs I think just get overrated or talked about too much. I think May 16th deserves the whole lore around it and like, you know, the love of, you know, that whole like, just that is, that's the Lagwagon song. And that's the one sure. a lot of people like, I think it deserves that. Like, that's a song where I go, no, I get why the attention's on that. And right. Why everyone kind of thinks of that one. Like, it right. makes total sense. I mean, when, when Tony Hawk came out and the song was on there, like, it was already, I mean, from, from my perspective, um, you know, it was already like the song that we all loved from Lagwagon, you know, because it was on the fat rat comp. So like we all knew it, but you know, they, if you, if you kind of listen to interviews and stuff, they like credit Tony Hawk pro skater for like popularizing that song, oh, really? I guess to the mainstream, you know, cause not everybody was who was playing video games was listening to punk rock but like that was like that was like kind of the catalyst that like was being ushered in after like the explosion of 94 Mm -hmm. and then things were growing things were growing and then 1998 like when that put put punk music into the house households of young americans oh yeah uh or even just you know youth worldwide and like here's a handful of songs from like all these different bands who you've never heard of but they're that's just going to be the soundtrack to your video game that was a really new thing so um you know i think that that helped to popularize the song but yeah to me like that was already a song that was established tony Um, hawk he really actually like And that is a great point. I think a lot of people discovered, and like straight up punk too, not like like just really popular bands. He would throw some bands on those soundtracks where it's like, yeah, there's no way like a kid in like rural Montana ever would have heard like some of these bands had it not been, like they may have a video game, like they'll, they'll, they have video games, they'll play that, but that's their only outlet. There's not a cool alternative radio station. Maybe they don't have an older brother. The record store doesn't have the, you know, the fat comps and stuff like that. Like, sure. a lot of credit, like, because, again, you have MTV and stuff like that, but even that, they're going to play the bigger stuff, the popular stuff. You might see a Green Day or something, but, like, they'll throw Dead Kennedys or something else. They'll go, but they'll throw a song like Legwagon, like, May 16th, which, you know, wasn't on the radio. Like, no. things like that where, like, you know, I you know Goldfinger's another one where so many people go, that's how they found Goldfinger through that. And it's like, right. how many people never would have heard, you know, that, that band or, you know, any others without Tony Hawk? Sure, know? sure. Um, what I like about this album, um, is that it's, like I said before, it's like the trajectory that they were going with double, double platinum, but, um, more polished and just better musicianship, um, better production value, but also, you know, one of my, one of my favorite things is like when, um, when bands, record albums where the notes that like the key of the songs are either the same key or like similar keys so that the songs flow together um and that's what they did with this album all of the songs 
um, just flow as if it's like one giant song. Um, Let's go back to a sequencing like we were talking about earlier. Like key yeah. has a lot to do with that. Like putting songs that are in certain keys next to each other and stuff like that. Yeah. Like little things you wouldn't think of, but have a lot to do with if an album overall has a good flow and stuff. Right. All that's, those things have to do with it. Yeah, and that's what I that's what I try to do with my own music personally. And and um, what was I talking about? Okay, so the sequencing, like like you were saying, like with uh, Legwag and like with kind of keeping the same keys, like for sequencing, like. It's good for the ear, you know what I mean? If you keep within, like, the same keys and stuff like that and, and, like, within the same kind of stuff, it's, like, pleasing. You know, it has a lot to do with, like, sequencing and, you know, music kind of working together, going to the next song and everything like that. Yeah, this album definitely flows um, in a way that really, really just works. And the songs just kind of, like, rush from one song to the next. And um, it just makes for the, the perfect like punk rock album you know oh, yeah. like it even even um the way that the kids are all wrong flows into may 16th like, i was gonna say that the 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 transition from that song to the next so and, a, and another one where it's kind of an acoustic into yeah something heavier. so it's i think that that's like the perfect intro to may 16th i almost after i i had first heard may 16th and then after i heard the entire album i almost felt like you have to listen to may 16th with the kids are all wrong before (laughs) it because it like just the thoughtfulness behind that and the the just the completion of the way that 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 kind of makes everything sound having those flow together and even um the final track after may 16th the way that that it, that it just kind of comes in and it's just this building uh musical arrangement yeah. with like violins and cello and then like the lyrics cut in like halfway through the song like it's it's like so much more grand than just may 16th yeah and it starts to not like a song i the beginning of the last song i don't feel like it's what you think was about to follow may 16th Uh -uh. at all no like like when it starts you're right away it's kind of like oh this isn't where i thought it was going next no and and like we were saying like the the way that you're ending an album is is just kind of like setting setting the tone and it's it's like definitely like kind of more chilled out you know it's got that energy and everything but the way that it the way that it cuts in after this super high energy song and then just kind of comes in and and is more melodic and musical um and instrumental and and then just is like this great like kind of mid-tempo lag wagon song you know like it's just the perfect i think it's like the perfect kind of ending um to like this epic album yeah i i think and i think may 16th too you need another songs even though may 16th is like such a build-up in a lot of ways i almost don't feel like you could close on that and it might almost be too depressing of a song to close on because again musically it's not you know it's fast punk song but like lyrically like that's a haunt if you play like an acoustic guitar and just kind of slow it down so like it's a very haunting not an upbeat song very sad like Right. But some of his best lyrics, too. I mean, that's some of, I would say, Joey Capes. Uh, again, like I was talking about, like that song deserving all the recognition it gets. 
I mean, I think I would put that up there as uh, one of the best like lyrics and stuff he's probably written. Right. And and I think that, you know, like the legacy of this album, I mean, there's I I would argue that much of the skate punk, melodic punk like scene is based on music that that's coming out today is based on music that came out in 1998. Oh, 100%. Um, and this album in particular like just it's the it's the um the blueprint for what a lot of bands strive for in an album it's it, you know the opening the opening track um after you my friend which is like the fact that when you're listening to it with headphones on and you've got like one guitar coming in and then you've got this other guitar playing like a like a counter melody kind of yeah. thing to it and they they like tag up and like the vocals come in like just the the way that the song is built is so much so much stronger than um than i think what they had done in the past now yeah. people there's like lagwagon purists that are like if you pick anything you know that's not double platinum or early, earlier you know you can fuck yourself <laughs> so and like a lot of people are, you know, like trashed or duh or whatever. And a lot I'm of like, people, those are their favorites. Like yeah. the really early stuff, that's their favorite. Sure, they're classics. But like, I mean, to I can't help the the time or the place that I found Lagwagon yeah. or the songs that or album that it was that like made such an impact on my life. But I'm I'm pretty sure that you know this album is the one that when bands think about like writing the per the perfect album yeah this is the one that they they want to like model it after well i look at it this way kind of going back to the against me thing like i like reinventing axel rose but i realize later stuff is better musicianship lyrics and all that kind of goes that way with leg wagon you may like like the first two records the best but you have to realize this is that this is better musicianship this is better songwriting maybe sure. it's, maybe you don't like it more but objectively, this is just better yep. in those ways. You know, like this is a progress. This band has progressed. This band is, you know, like it's one of those things I feel like with people like that. Because you're totally right. There's people who it's like fuck everything after like the first two leg wagon records, which they're good. But those aren't even ones I jump to. It's always sure. I this one and Haas, I would say, and Double Platinum are maybe like the of the classics. Sure. But like, you know, and later stuff, too. I still think they're one who I think uh, going back to 2010s. They put out some solid shit, like some yep. of their best stuff in a while. Yeah. But uh, again, he he's just great. But uh, I don't know anything else to this one, or should I give my... Uh... No, we already talked about it, so I mean... you know, <laughs> Now that's this just one, it. it's funny. I, in a way, we almost had it where we had a similar one, but I went with a different album. My number two is Lawrence Arms with Apathy and Exhaustion. Ah, nice. Greatest story ever told... It's very hard. Now, here's another one. Greatest Story Ever Told is probably a better album than Apathy and Exhaustion. But I think this is this is just my favorite because I just think the straightforwardness. I like what they did later on and that they got more adventurous and did different things. But this is, I think, now, the other thing is I also think this is their first great record. I think they had good songs yeah. on the first, like, the Asian Man releases. But Apathy and Exhaustion is the first one where I go, this is a really good band. You know, yep. it, it, Alkaline Trio is like that. Like, really, really early Alkaline Trio, there's good songs, but you get to that album where you go, 
this is the album that makes the band like this is this is the first one that goes this is why people love the Lawrence Arms like this is why people still go and see them and everything like uh just this record I think has so much to do with it and it, and it does like there's I feel like there's a couple layers I was talking about earlier this one is much better than the early stuff this is their first great record and then this is just kind of an error in itself because this is another record where I don't think they wrote it again I mean I think you hear parts of this later on but I think this really was just a band writing it's just basically a straightforward punk pop punk record kind of you know rough around the edges but just really fun you know it's yeah. it's 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 more mature than older stuff but it's not as mature as later stuff you know right right it, it's that it's that like real in the middle um it, it it's again like i uh i think it's a huge progression i mean there's like the first real real good song is uh Oh God, what's it called? A Thousand Resolutions. Sure. Uh, that's like the first, I think, really good Lawrence Arm song. And then you get this. And you're like, okay, this this band. And uh, this one, I, I know I heard porno and snuff films on like a compilation DVD or something. Yeah. I, saw, I yep. saw it and I saw the video at the same time, which was a great, I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Like, this band's great. But uh, that was like my intro to them. And just from there, yeah, I listened to this album and... Uh, was just pretty much into it right away. I think I think this album around the time I found it and years later, I mean this is another one I got in like the early 2010s. I probably got this album like 2011, 2012, but like just another one where this is what I was looking for at the time. Just just like I don't I don't need complex, I don't need pretentious. I want fast punk songs. I want them well written, but yep. I want the aggressiveness and it's like there you go it's right here it has it has the aggressiveness of early stuff but it's more well produced it's better written songs yeah like you know cuz i really don't the first two the first as much as i love Lawrence arms i almost never listen to those first two albums the ones sure. the guided tour of chicago and yep. uh, the i can't remember the name of the other one but it's like it's just it's not there yet it's it's fine right. as a punk band they're they're an okay punk band on asian man records but they're not the band you know right and I think uh, I think another one, the Lawrence Arms, just like with Against Me, uh, another time. I mean, this album came out in two thousand two, yep. and like, what albums were coming? What new bands were coming out on Fat at that time? You know what I mean? Like, what, good question. What fresh shit were they really putting out in two thousand two? Like, the nothing. I mean, it's like Lawrence Arms are are really like I think at that point, you know, Against Me, I really feel like kind of eclipsed them the next year, and just obviously. You know, tra- trajectory-wise, against me got a lot bigger, but like before, against me, I feel like Lawrence Arms a year before was really that breath of fresh air for the label. Yeah, and I mean, this had to be. I don't, I don't have it in front of me. I don't know every album that was released in 2002. I'm looking it up. Oh, okay. Like I, I'm gonna assume it's the best record released that year. There's not. There's probably not a lot of stiff competition. Um, let's see here. I'm interested in hearing this. Yep. Um, most of it is just normal, like usual fat bands. Um, I don't think that there's like a new band on there. There's a one man army, uh, fat club number 12, seven inch that came out. Um, I would argue, I don't know. I mean, argue it. I want to hear, I'll, I'll, I'll wait, but there's. There's some that I would I would pick like the bracket live in a dive I think is oh, right. like the best live album I've ever heard. Ooh, I've never um, listened to that. 
if you like bracket, like, like bracket. it's just all of their best songs played incredibly well live and it just sounds great. It's hilarious because they're like so like they're like keep talking about how they're like nervous and you know, they're like socially awkward and stuff and like but they are some talented musicians and that's definitely an enjoyable live record if you can get into it. Um also, uh, Dillinger Four Situation as Comedy came out that year. Oh wait, that came out oh two. Yep, and uh, No Effects forty five or forty six songs that weren't good enough to go on our other records came out, which is, I I guess you can't call it an album, but I really like that release. Hey, we're calling it Fat Wreck releases. You're alive. Sure. Same with Live and a Dive. I mean, if you really want to pick that. I'm saying releases. That counts. Also, Lagwagon, Let's Talk About Leftovers came out, which is basically the oh, same hell thing. Yeah. The B-sides? Um, yeah, which is good. But, yeah. So, but this one was definitely, um, it was the the album that I started to notice who the Lawrence Arms were. Yeah. And, like, of course, you know, you see the, the porno and snuff films video and like video when you're a high school kid like that's just hilarious like it's honestly humor honestly i watched it like i think last year was the last time i saw it it's still funny yeah i still like i still think it's as funny as it was from like that's a punk like including early 2000s like that was a punk man like you'd have a silly video like that full of dick jokes and stuff like you know a, a, a three minute song or whatever i don't even know if that song's three minutes and like and again i don't know like i i've that's the song that I think is the closest they ever had to a single. Mm-hmm. And it's like, again, I wish they got bigger, but I don't know that a song called Porno and Snuff Films nope. was ever going to be... They didn't hold anything sacred back yeah, then. Yeah, there, there's no... I mean, the replacements are my favorite band, but they're another one who are classic. People know them for shooting themselves in the foot like that. And again, yep. it's doing something like that where your first big like release is Porno and Snuff Films. And maybe that's not like... The title that you know is going to get played on radio all over or like on MTV, you know, like. But I don't know. The other thing too is I don't know what song on there would have been the single besides that. Again, I love this record, but there's know. not. It's not an album. We were talking about it earlier. Oh, we were talking about it with uh, Lawrence Arms, but again, if you're not a fan of this band and you're listening to someone just listen to this band, like you're like, what the hell? What like, is what this is, dog shit? Yeah, what is this dog like? This isn't, you know, like, like including when, like, when you play it for people whose reference is, like, Green Day for punk. Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, dookie. Like, that might be, they've heard Basket Case. That's yep. punk. To, like, that's all they know. And if you hear that, you're like, what? Like, what? And, uh, yeah, like, in terms of that, I just don't think this band ever could have been huge. But, like, I fucking love, I mean, I love the Lawrence Arms and uh, this album. I, I think, again, too, like, the songs are good, but I think it also foreshadows how good of songwriters they can be. I mean, exactly. like, Brick Wall Views is one of them, where I go, that song... Like, That's my favorite song on this album. Yeah, that song, I wrote, I wrote like, my top three, Abracadaver, Boatless, or, yeah, Boatless Booze Cruise, yep. and Brick Wall Views. And actually, the that one, two of Boatless Booze Cruise into Brick Wall Views is, like, that's, like, the real... That's right in the middle of the album, but I feel like that's a real. That's like the real part. I feel like it's really building up side A. Yep. To those two songs. Yep. Brickwall views. Um, just the fact that it, what Chris does well in this era of of Lawrence Arms is just coming in singing. Like, don't even, don't even worry about like what 
chugga, musically chugga, chugga, chugga. don't yeah don't don't even do anything like musically or instrumentally just just come in singing that's the song that's how you're starting the song that's so, how strong the lyrics are though too because the yeah. other thing is if you have shit lyrics you can't do that you can't start a song with bad right away that song those lyrics are great i mean he catch is there a gesture i can fucking uh yeah. As I'm trying so, to recite it, I can't remember it. But. I've got the lyrics in front of me. So don't break too many hearts. Oh, that's it. Don't take too many arrows in the chest. Those, I think I think that those are the two best lines of this entire album to me. Like, Because that just as, a, as an angsty young kid, like, oh, man, that fits so perfectly. Like... For somebody who's like, you know, maybe feeling like self-defeated or whatever. And the fact that he's singing it, he's singing it so clean. And like, I I don't know if they had like pitch correction on this album, but he sings these notes so perfectly that it's still, it's still something that I think about to this day. Like how he, how he sang this, like these notes to this song so like exactly and precisely like it's this is just the the performance on the song the lyrics on the song this is just one of my favorite lawrence arm songs yeah it, it, just it's in it's, general honestly this is one like if we're talking about why this is my favorite because again i love metropole this one and greatest story are like my top three and the reason i think this one sits at the very top are just a handful of songs like that sure i think that's one of them again boatless uh, you know, even porno and snuff films, even though I don't think it's their best, I'll always love them. It's just a fun right. punk song. Right. There's like a handful of songs on there where I just go, that's why I love it. I think another thing they do well on that too is just the self the self-deprecation and the and not even always just self-deprecation, but like, hey, I fucked up. Not all the songs are about other people. Like it's about how you fucked up and like things you've done. It's introspective in a way that not yeah. everyone is. Yep. I think um and I think you know there was a there was an era of of music that was very like um like you you are the problem and i'm just like here trying to live my life but you're you're um i'm the victim and yeah. you know and a lot of bands i would say around 02 in punk pop punk were yep. kind of doing that i think about like like bands like taking back sunday and stuff um where a lot of the lyrics were like, you know, they were they were great to listen to when you were like a, a young teenager and and feeling like everybody was hurting your feelings. <laughs> but like, that's not what the real world is, and yeah. that's not what accountability is, you know. And so when you've got a band that like, um, is is kind of like holding themselves accountable for like the fucked up shit in their lives, yeah. like that's that's just a sign of like maturity and like just people who are like honest with themselves and are honest enough to like not bullshit you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's part of the like Brendan Kelly persona is kind of like, I'm a lovable fuck up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the whole persona that he carries and that kind sure. of, I don't want to say character that he plays, but the way he carries himself the way, cause I'd say of all of them, he's kind of the most like, you know, outwardly spoken and shit. You hear yeah. from him the most. You hear him in interviews and shit. The other two are kind of a little more, you know, I, I feel like back. He's kind of the 
the vo- the whatever you want to call it, the guy who kind of talks, the speaker head for the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, and I think he kind of carries that way. Where he's the lovable fuck up. You know yep. what I mean? He is yep. kind of that way. But like all their, I feel like all their records are kind of like. I mean, same with greatest story ever told. It's like we're fucking like. Like they're they're not painting themselves in a great picture even in the beginning aren't they basically calling themselves like we're fucking here to we're only here to entertain like yeah yeah I'm yeah here for your entertainment that's I'm a cl- all I am. I'm a clown I'm, I'm a just... fucking clown <laughs> yeah. like just that and that's what he like really but I love it because because there's also both sides of it too where there's self deprecation there's also that kind of fuck you there's the self realize yeah. like we're the clowns we're also making fun of this like yeah. that that Povich thing again like yeah. that whole. We're talking about it, and yes, we're talking about our problems, but we're also like, fuck you. Like, in the process, we're also like, we realize it's disgusting and fucked up what sure. we're doing, and we don't like this part of, yep. you know, you're taking the purity out of being, a, you know, three kids from Chicago playing, you know, playing at the Fireside Bowl with Alkaline Trio, you know, like shit like that. Yeah. Which, another one, that's the difference of those two. Alkaline Trio maybe never got huge, but Alkaline Trio, obviously, those two played a lot, came from Chicago. Like, you know, they, they get a lot of, you know, they, a lot of connection there. And Alkaline Trio had songs and shit where I feel like, even though they've never been massive, you I have heard Alkaline Trio on the radio. There were sure. records that were more, they were willing to do more radio-friendly things. They have records yep. that are more radio-friendly. Uh, Brandon Kelly was never going to write, like, Mercy Me or Help Me or some of the later era Alkaline Trio stuff. Yeah. He was never going to go to a place where rock radio, including, here's the other thing. This record, while already it's not that radio-friendly, they got way less radio friendly going weird. It's not like they got more. Yeah. It's not like they kept getting cleaner. Yeah. Like they got more aggressive, more weird, added different elements and shit. Like they didn't dumb themselves down. It's like, well, you know what? We could do what Blink's doing. Like we could try yep. to be Blink when it like this last stitch effort of this doesn't work. So let's go fucking do, you know, let's uh, try doing what's working for everyone else. Cause really the other thing is in 2002, that's a time where more polished punk bands could get signed. That was a time where punk was still on major labels. Like, yep. that was still on the radio. Warp Tour was still big. Those bands were on MTV. Like, nowadays, it's so funny to look because I feel like a big pop punk band is nothing compared to what a big pop punk band like O2 could be. Yeah, like yeah. The, I think of, like, like, the Wonder Years and bands like that who are big bands from current day pop punk. They're playing theaters. They're not playing arenas. Right. Like, they don't have gold records. They're not on MTV. And I get it's changed. I'm not shitting on them. But what I'm saying is there was a time where this music was commercially viable in a way. Right. Like I remember yellow card t-shirts being sold at Target at one time. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I think that Lawrence Arms did like a tour with yellow card or something like that. I, think they, I feel like take action. I think they did a take action tour yeah. that had a bunch of, I think taking back Sunday was on it too. Yeah. They did a tour that was very, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that they'd be on it with those dudes, but you yeah. know, which and, I would like that tour, but that's not right. a, it's a weird lineup. Yeah. And so I think that they kind of like, they saw a, uh, a part of like the industry and, and the touring world that maybe they, they probably didn't feel like they fit into. I, I think a lot of songs off Greatest Story Ever Told you get because of them touring off this record. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of yep. the contempt... Because before that, what contempt did they have? They were a local Chicago band. Right. Like, Fat put a lot of eyes on them. Like, yep. I don't... You know, I when they were on Asian Man Records, I don't feel like... You know, I wasn't there at the time, but I don't feel like they were a big talked about band. They weren't, like, on the up and up. It was once they were on Fat and this record came out... That they would have gone tour offers sure. and shit like that, where like now you're getting discontent because you are seeing the other side of the industry. Yep. You know what I mean? You're not just playing like local shows every weekend or something. Now you're actually 
you're going and playing, you know, you're doing a tour with the Yellow Card. You're playing the Warp Tour. Yeah. You're trying to get on the radio, like shit like that where, you know, I, I can't remember. It might have even been on his own, but I, I heard Brendan Kelly, which is the other reason I kept thinking about that with them getting bigger, is I remember him talking about porno and snuff films, like, recently on something about how that was kind of their closest to being pushed on radio and shit like sure. that. And their first time, and I think only time, trying to play the game yep. in that sense. And, you know, it's it's funny to to see the way that that bands evolve and you know have that that reaction from their previous album and all of these this series of events happen and they grow and react and then come out with their next album and the the way that it kind of like maybe not necessarily changes their sound but like has an influence in some way on what the next release is. That happens a lot, and including yeah. on, like, you know, it didn't happen with this, but you notice that with bands, too, who have a really big record, sometimes the next record, most half the half the song's about dealing with the success you just had. Sure. You yeah. know, like, there's a lot of them where you Like Against Me. Like Against Me. <laughs> like we yeah. just talked about. I mean, yeah, a whole record where it's like you're talking about, like, all the things that you, like, don't like about this, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this... I don't know. Again, this is my favorite Lawrence Arms record. I do agree, though, that they got better later on. Like, I totally get where, hey, I get they they switched shit up and got got a lot better musically and stuff. But this is another one where I go, I like I like fast songs with a lot of cursing, a lot of fucking mm-hmm. power chords and stuff. Like, yep. I just like it simple, and that's this. You know, yep. that that's this album because even songs like Brickwall Views, where there's a few changes through it, but it never goes too crazy. You know what I mean? Right. Like. It's still a pretty straightforward song, you know, yeah. but they are good with building up a little here and there. But, like, that's what I like about this record. The simplicity yeah. the simplicity that I think was gone later on. Not in a bad way. They don't yep. need to write Apathy and Exhaustion Part 2. I don't want another one. Like, I totally right. like where they went. But just this record, uh, yeah, it has uh, always held something for me as, as easily my uh, favorite Lawrence Arms record. Definitely but a great pick. It is a fucking... But it is funny because almost... Part of me, even though this is, I like this more. I almost put story ever greatest story ever told, just because I do think it's the better record. Again, in terms of songwriting and all that. Yeah. But this one, I like. I had to go with my heart. Right. This is the fucking one. Right. You know. Um, I think that that one is more just cohesive conceptually, yes. and then this one is just a great group of songs. That's and see, I agree with all of that. Like, yep. I one hundred percent am with you there. I'm like, this is a collection of songs. This isn't a theme. These are just a bunch of fun, fast punk songs. Right, you know? right. But, uh, yeah, anything else to this, or shall we get to number ones? I think we can it's move on, yeah. Reveal it, man. It is okay. the big, it is, everyone's been waiting. We want to know, what is the number one? All right, my favorite album, uh, Fat Rack album, is No Use for a Name, Hard Rock Bottom. Oh, fuck yeah. Yep. Um, close second would be More Betterness. Um, but I think that this one, again, it's, it comes down to, um, the skill of the songwriting, the, the production value. There was that shift between like the 99 and, you know, 2000, whenever this came out, 2002 or 2003. Um, yeah, it was a later era for them too. Yeah. So, um, there was a a change in sound. I think no use kind of like Lagwagon their earlier stuff was a little more a little harder a little yeah. kind of rougher around the edges more riffy 
um, he was singing kind of like deeper in his register. They're and, a band who I feel like got better with time. Not a band where the yeah. first, some bands people go, I love their first couple records. No use got good after a few. They got they got better, and I think that this is the album that um, all of their all of their releases after this. Um, this this is the one that set the uh, like s- kind of set the example for what they were going to do um, musically and uh, production wise. I think uh, all of the albums after this are are just kind of like they all kind of are all along the same page. Mm-hmm. But this is the album that they did. They kind of have this new kind of kind of somewhat better produced better like musically this the songs kind of uh they breathe you know they they have these ebbs and flows and different musical parts and um this complexity that everything after has but everything before is kind of like close but not quite exactly there um this album I mean, to to call it like pop punk is kind of I feel like doing it an injustice. It's because, like Legwagon, dude. We're like, yeah, there's they're pop punk, but it's like these guys are more. It, there's something about like guys like Tony Sly and Joey Cape stuff where it's like, man, they're doing more than just like you know more than just what you think of when you think of punk. They're they're crafting well written songs that not only work at these like breakneck speeds, but also you know, if you go and listen to like the acoustic um, splits that he did with Joey Cape, yeah. um, and he he covers some of these songs, they're just good songs, and you know they just happen to be played with electric guitars and fast drums and everything, but they're good songs played really well at a very fast speed, and there's some you know like there's. There's some like uh, uh, dumb reminders and and let me down and stuff that are like more like mid tempo kind of songs, but like f- I mean they just they all work really well. They all flow perfectly into each other. Like the sequencing is great. Like I love um, Matt Riddle's like bass lines yeah, that he does. Bass. Like you know, throughout the song and like for the intros and stuff. Like, I mean, this is just, this is, if I had to pick, you know, one perfect album, just whether it's fat wreck or not, this is definitely at the top of my list. Even outside of fat, this is even outside of fat. This is just like, this is an album that, I could I could listen to every single day and like be able to appreciate. I, I could see that. He, you know, Tony Sly, like we were talking about with Lawrence Arms, another one where it's like introspective. Like his lyrics, even songs that aren't particularly about him, or he's singing more like a narrator, and he's like, like it sounds like he's singing about someone. Sure. Either way, you get the idea where this guy has been through shit. Like the way he right. writes and where he's coming from, you go, you can't fake that. Like that songwriting comes from. Or real, and sometimes it's sad. I mean, maybe yeah. real pain or something. But it's like sometimes you listen to some of his lyrics and go, "That guy's known pain." Like I don't know what, right? What, I don't know his life, everything outside of no use. But it's like 
he went through things. Yeah. He went through shit. Well, I mean, yeah, and you think about songs like On the Outside, um, where it's like just this heartbreaking song. Like when when they were a band and they were they were releasing these albums, they were writing these songs, like love songs weren't that cool to write yeah. about. Like, you know, people I I just remember like people really making fun of like anybody who would like listen to like a love song or something like that or like if you read the lyrics and you're like oh that's that's dumb i'm not gonna listen to the stupid love song but like tony sly made love songs cool (laughs) you know you're right like that that was a time when a largely like male driven scene was like very insecure about like their feelings and stuff like that. Oh, this that. fucker right heart right on the sleeve. Oh yeah. Right on the sleeve. He leaves nothing out of his lyrics. I mean, so so you think about like one of the best one of the best punk songs of all time, International U Day, is like I mean my wife and I danced to the acoustic version as our first dance at our wedding. Like this is like, it's a love song, but like, it's also very sad too. Um, but you know, it's, it's like this, the, the juxtaposition of like these, these really heartfelt lyrics with this just super fast drum beat, like, I don't I don't know. When I when I first heard this album, like I it just completely blew me away. And like when you're when you're listening to, to bands like you know, Screeching Weasel and like, you know, bands that play like just straight pop punk yeah. three chords. Ramon's chord is yeah. very straightforward. And then you listen to and then you listen to this and it's like the the complexity of it is just so so kind of thoughtful the way that like everything will drop out and like you'll only hear like a guitar yeah. and one and then like maybe you'll hear like some violins and maybe you'll hear some cello and which in a punk band too yeah and again like, not every fat band's like this like you know a lot a lot more layers than you know some of their uh, contemporaries and like label mates now you know there's there's like this this is definitely an album that couldn't exist without without more betterness or or even Lagwagon, let's talk about feelings like they one of those bridges this album couldn't exist without fat doing the fat thing for all of the 90s and then coming in and setting up basically you know this this is like here's the the absolute best version of what this band can do and um it it shows and i think you know i love like i love keep them confused some of my favorite no use for a name songs are on that album um even like uh feel good record of the year like i think that no use sounds better than ever like their songs are even more like aggressive because i think he was kind of at the end it was like end of like the bush era and he was like still pissed off about the (laughs) stuff that you know he even starts talking about in uh in some of these songs like from 2002 and um but i think this one is just just the album that that has the the perfect kind of flow of songs that that you know 
hit the pop spectrum, the rock, the fast punk, the mid-tempo. Like, the lyrics are smart and heartfelt and um, personal yeah. and honest. And um, it just kind of, it, to me, it's just the complete package. And, you know, again, it's it's the, an album that hit me at a time when um, it made the most impact and and it's something that i'm always going to listen to for the rest of my life i i think that tony sly i bet his record collection there's a lot of shit in there that no use fans would either be surprised by or not like because what you're talking about is like the variety of of just different sounds and things in there exactly he's just like joey cape where this isn't like a dude in a punk band just writing punk songs like this is a guy where even if he wasn't a punk band he'd have an acoustic guitar writing the most beautiful heart like if all it ever was was tony slide an open mic night with an acoustic if he was playing original songs they'd be fucking beautiful yeah same with joey cape it's like yep. like and like with no effects there's maybe a handful of songs where if you like strip them down they sound cool but like a lot of them don't there's a lot of bands like no effects and other bands on fat that don't translate that way they translate right. well as fast punk songs but they don't sound all that great stripped back like that yeah. you know yeah whereas Joey Cape and Tony Sly, I feel like, are the two that stick out in my head as, like, there's other good songwriters on the, in on Fat, but, like, those are the two where you go, fuck. Like, yep. these guys, again, if they weren't on Fat, if they were, they could be in a band in another genre, and you would probably still be a fan of them. Like, it doesn't matter where those guys ended up. You probably would have liked, if you ever heard their music in some capacity, you would have been a fan. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. Know? He, uh, yeah, he's another one where I feel like, and later, later too, I feel like kept, kept that where, yes, they were an early fat band, but I feel like even later on doing different things and kind of moving on, he still had integrity and was still writing good things. Like I never feel yeah. like they suffered in a way other bands may have where like, again, maybe they weren't even bad, but it's just like, Hey, we were doing this, this like classic fat sound for 10 years. And now we want to do something different. Sure. We're pigeonholed. We don't want to yep. sound this, we don't want to be skate punk on album number six. Yep. You yep. know, and I think I think No Use was able to do that more gracefully than uh, some of their contemporaries did. Yeah, you know? and I I think that um you know they were just uh, honest to like exactly what it was that they were yeah. and that they what they wanted to do, um and that the earlier stuff was them maybe just trying to figure out who they were all along. Yeah. Um, you got to find your sound. You don't, again, some bands start on album one and it's like, it becomes like a fan favorite, but a lot of the best bands I feel like slowly keep getting better. Like their yeah. first couple albums are a little rough. Like you hear a couple good songs, but it's like, it's not till album three or four that they start becoming that really classic band. Yep. That has to happen. You got to get better. Yeah. And I think um, like more betterness is, really really close like they and and i feel like i remember uh an interview where um they talked about the reaction to more betterness versus like their older kind of more aggressive sound and these are like um just really melodic like punk songs and it and like a little bit less a little bit more kind of like laid back and and mm -hmm. not you know not as aggressive and th i think that they were they were really really close and um i think what makes this one better is that 
they had had that that practice with that album they had done that and this is them pushing it to the next level and the and the production level kind of catching up and everything just kind of like culminating to um to what would always be like you know the classic to me at least no use for a name album that classic yeah no, that is, that is uh that is cool. I mean, they're even though they're on my list, I mean, they're one of those obviously. If you listen to Fat, I mean, you got to they're fucking up there is like you got to you got to love No Use for a Name. Yep. And Tony Sly, like again, like there's a reason why he's still celebrated, you know. Yeah. But uh but yeah, anything else on this one or shall I don't think so. Just All listen right. to it. I mean, don't listen to me talk, you know, stumbling <laughs> over my words about this album. Just fucking listen to Just it. Just go give it a listen. No, we uh I feel like these are uh, all been pretty good. I got my uh, number one here, and this was probably the one I knew right away. It's not a conventional one, I would say, but I don't know that I've listened to another record uh, that Fats ever released more. But Banner Pilot, Souvenir, uh, 2014, kind of a rant. I mean, like, really, I was thinking about it at first. I'm like, this is this really sat in my number one before I even started thinking about the rest of the list. And I'm like, you know, is it really... Because, again, you go to that. You go, this label's been around for so long. You think of the classic bands. You think of the classic albums. But if we're talking about hitting you at a certain time and an album doing something, I mean, this is my first Banner Pilot record, and I heard it right at the end of, uh, or, like, right when it came out, 2014, as summer was starting, and uh, just about transferred to to another college and just, like, listening to this record all summer and just right right away, actually, the first song off of it, uh, I randomly heard it on on a radio show or something, and that's all I heard for a while. For like uh, like I ended up buying the record like two months later, but like I just couldn't stop listening to uh, the first song on the record. It was like so fucking good. Like I was like I'd never heard this band. I'd heard the name, and it, I think there were another one kind of like the Flatliners where I threw them in this pile of bands where I'm like yep. they're against me light. Mm-hmm. You know they sound I like these other bands. This band's okay, but it's not really my thing. Whereas this one. It just fucking hit me, and I mean, like right away, one of those records where where you hear it and you just listen to it every day for like months. Like it's one of those albums where I and it, it's a short and sweet album too. Like what I love about Banner Pilot is you know all the things we talk about tonight. Like oh, they're more complex than other bands or this and that. What Banner Pilot does best is simplicity. Banner Pilot is simple, straightforward, like aggressive pop punk or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I think Souvenir, I will say, I think it was more mature for them. Yeah. But it's still, it's still a Banner Pilot record. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's Banner Pilot. But then you have songs like I, like Springless is one that sticks out where I go, like, there's songs like that where I go, fuck, like, there's a difference here. Like, there is, there is kind of a progression. But again, the early stuff is great. Like, I know, I feel like a lot of people would say, like, Heartbeat Specific is probably the, the best. Yeah. Like, that seems to be the fan favorite. And I love that record. But I really think... As far as a front to back listen, I think Souvenir's it. And and I don't I don't know tons of people listen to Banner Pilot, but what I've gotten from it, I don't think it's the like number one. I don't know that it's hated or anything, but I don't think it got the same reaction as some of the other stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. This was really a good accumulation of because uh, they're another one where I think they're a lyrics band musically. They're not doing a lot. Though Nate, I got to say, their bass player, Nate, oh, holy yeah. fuck. He's got... Um, holy shit. If, if I if I think about the best bass tone of 
uh, Fat Records band. Like, I think that Banner Pilot definitely takes the cake. You know why it is? He has, he plays one of those deluxes that has the P bass and jazz bass pickups. And I think, I swear that's why he sounds that way. I think that there's also, like, there's probably some overdrive or distortion or yeah. something on the bass to make it that it that graveliness. Like, it always, like, I don't know if you ever heard his bass playing. He was in Off With Their Heads for a while. Yeah. And you can tell the albums that he's on. It's mm-hmm. that ba- He's one of those guys where he's like uh, Scott Shiflet in Face to Face. Yeah. You know when you're hearing a Scott Shiflet bass line. Yep. They play in a way where, which I think Scott Shiflet had to be a huge influence on him. There's no... He probably he is the Scott Shiflet of like fat punk bands of the 2010s. Like as, as specific as a reference that is, like he very much like plays in that uh, in that vein. And I mean, the bass playing is amazing, but I mean the songs are pretty straightforward. But it's the lyrics. I mean, I feel yeah. like Banner yep. Pilot's one of those bands where you listen to, and it's the lyrics that get you. And I and I, I think on this one, like again, I think they just they push themselves. And they just did what they do best. Like they didn't reinvent the wheel. This isn't like a revolutionary record. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a punk record that came out on Fat in 2014. You know, it didn't set the world ablaze. It didn't change the genre. But for what Manor Pilot does and uh, what they do, I I feel like this is like their best. Like I feel like this is again, it's like the best shit from the earlier records. But it's also them a little more like again, like I call it mature, but it's mature for them. It's not like it's this really adult record. Right. It's just adult for them. Yeah. You know. But this is another one. I mean, I, I think I actually I think I remember you uh last time here we might have even talk about Banner Pilot. So I mean you, you you're a fan. Yeah. I mean, I I probably would have honestly picked like Collapser or Heartbeat Specific. But, you know, this this song has some or this album has some great songs like um like dead tracks and letterbox like fireproof's my all-time favorite there's not a uh there's not a banner pilot song i've ever listened to more that that one really modern shakes the the opener on that i listened to forever before i heard the rest of the record so i loved that song and then the first time i heard the album you know when you're listening to an album you enjoy it but they'll all of a sudden just one song so you've never heard it before, but it just starts. You go like, "Oh fuck!" Like, you're like this one might change my life. Yeah, yeah, like that song to me, I was like, the whole record sounded great, but then it got to that song, and I'm like, "Oh fuck!" I love this band. Like yep. almost where you just want to hit rewind and listen to it a second time. Like you yep. almost want to. You're listening to the whole record front to back. You just want to be like, "Fuck it!" I want to hear this song again. Yeah. Um. I that that one did it for me the first time I listened to it, and like again. This album's been out for seven years. I don't know if there's another fat album I've listened to more. I This album, there's never been a lull. I mean, obviously, you get it the first time. I probably listened to it the most when I first got it. But, like, I can't think of... There's fat bands who I'll kind of stop listening to for a while and go back to, or albums even. Like, I've went... Like, let's talk about feelings. I've went times where, like, I love that record. Maybe I had, maybe I didn't listen to it for five months. Right. Something like right. that. Yeah. Banner Pilot, this album in particular just seems to be a... If I'm driving even, I just need something to listen to, and I don't know what I'm in the mood for, I can just turn this on. It's in the rotating, yeah. you know, cast. Some albums, you have to be in the mood. There's yep. some records you got to be, I have to be in the mood for that album or for that band. This one's kind of a, I'm bored, let's listen to music. Yep. That's a go-to. I can put on Souvenir, and I'm going to like it front to back. Like yep. I'm like, I'm not going to get bored. They're not going to do some weird fucking thing in the middle of it where I want to skip three songs. The experimental part of the album, like... yeah. 
Band or pilot knows their place as a band. Sure. Like we were talking about Dillinger 4, like people listening to Civil War going like, like, this sounds too much like Dillinger 4. It's like, what the fuck were you expecting from a Dillinger 4 record? Yeah. Freeform jazz? Right, like, what do you, right. What do you think is going to be on this album? It's like a band or pilot. Like, what do you, you think it's going to be like a folk album? Like, do you yep. think they like, you know, like, I just don't know what you think you're going to, you get exactly what you what you would expect out of band or pilot, I think, on uh on any of them, but I mean, like this is my first uh, Banner Pilot album, and just going back listening to the other ones, I'm like, oh yeah, like they have that signature sound, and I love it. But they do. This is that one where I just go, it's it's really, and it fucking bums me out. I'm waiting for that follow up, and I know recently they said they are slowly working on one, but again, fuck, seven years is like, I can't believe. Like I still think of this album. I even think a Banner Pilot is one of the newer fat bands. I wrote like my favorite newer. Fat band, but even that, I don't know that you can say they've been on fat for well over ten years now. Right. I think even longer. So it's like, you know, they're kind of like with the Flatliners, where it's like I think of them as the new era, but there's like ten other bands I can name that have been signed in the last like five or six years. Right. You know what right. I mean? So it's like it's kind of hard to call them new, but like the newer. And yeah, it just blows my mind. This one's been out for uh, fucking seven years now. I remember seeing a post um, before Souvenir came out i think before they were even like reading it or uh recording it um that they because i think there was a reaction to hearts beats heartbeats pacific that like people didn't like because it sounded different from resignation day and collapser yeah and i remember at the reason i remember it is because i thought it was so weird because he was because he said something like Along the lines of, you know, well, we we tried to do something a little different with Heartbeats Pacific, but we're gonna go back to the sound that you like for our <laughs> new, for our next album or whatever classic, you know, Banner Pilot sound, and uh, that they didn't do. Yeah, <laughs> but I I think that I think that Souvenir definitely like is is a great example of um, what Banner Pilot does, yeah. you know. I think it's a band who knows their place. Like, and I don't think that's always bad. Like, there's some bands, like, I don't, like, again, you you age. If you're in a band for 30 years, you're going to sound different. You just get older. You're not writing about the same things. Life happens like that. Yep. But there are some bands where you go, you take solace or whatever in knowing that when, I, when they put something out, it's going to be a certain sound, a right. certain way. Like, that's why I think a lot of these bands, like fat bands who, again, like, like I've been saying, like, you know, they kind of you know, did something different for a while. Some of it was good. Some of it wasn't. But like, I think they've gotten to a point now again, where they go like bands have a certain sound that you start to, and you have a couple albums, which are normally your big ones, not always even your first records, but you'll have a few ones where all eyes are on you. And that's kind of what people expect from you. Yeah. The rest. And it's like, you may change and stuff, but you, their reference it same face to face, face to face and keep writing records. Everyone's going to keep remembering the first like three or four. And that's going to be right. the reference. Yep. There's no, these bands have been together forever. No effects. No effects will be, you're always going to compare an album to like Punk and Drublick. Like, yeah. it's been decades. That yeah. album's like fucking almost 30 years old, but you're still going to kind of go like, not as good as this one. Or it's not as yep. good. You know, people do that. And and I think, and it kind of sucks too, because like with Manor Pilot, they've been around quite a while now, but they're not so old or like they have that many albums where you're like, man, if people are like, Fuck you for changing on Heartbeat Specific. Like, that's only, like, their third album. Yeah, yeah. You know? like, I mean, you know, people are... 
Looking against me, though, like we were talking about with As the Eternal Cowboy. That's album number two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, like I said before, like people, people just say stupid shit when an album comes <laughs> yeah. out. And then after the following album comes out, you can kind of like look in hindsight like, okay, so this is what the band was trying to do. Or like, yeah. I now uh, appreciate this this album now that I've heard the album that came after it. Um, I was kind of like that with the Flatliners Calvacade, which I I loved their first two albums. And then this one came out and I was like, their sound kind of changed a little bit and matured a little bit, and I don't know if I'm ready for that. But you know, it, I'm it, not. I sometimes it works better. I feel like finding a band after the fact because that's a yeah. thing we all do. There's tons of bands I can think of who end up changing their sound up on you, and you take it personally almost. Yeah, you go yeah. this band like how fucking dare you? Like I wanted this and you did this. Didn't they get my letters? Yeah, like don't you fuckers know like. <laughs> But it, but it does. Like after a while, you go, maybe the following album you like again, and it's yeah. like that one. It's like you just start realizing. You go, it's not personal. Yeah. Quit taking it yeah. fucking personal that a band wrote an album. Which at the same time, it's kind of flattering that someone cares about your art that much that they have a visceral reaction. Sure, you know what I mean they're so attached to this one thing you wrote that they have that big of a reaction when you do something different. Right. In a way, it's flattering, but at the same time. It's just like so. I mean, it has to be exhausting as the artist, and it's like, like you do either go both ways. You either go, "Fuck, I better do what they want because I want the career," or you go, "Fuck you guys, we just go the totally." Like, this you is pull music. Weezer, you pull. Yeah. You guys, I I write a really you know I write really deep shit like Pinkerton or very personal. If you don't like that, I'm not going to write mindless pops. I'm not going to be personal at all. Like things yeah. like that. You either go one way or the other, where you kind of strip it back and try to appease them. Or you kind of start to like detest your audience almost in a way, sure. and it's like, all right, you guys don't like that. Wait for the next. See yep. what I wait for the horn section on the next record or yeah. something like yeah. that. You know. Um, yeah, and I I think that like also it takes some time to um, sometimes bands release stuff that you're not ready to listen to yet there's so you many know? bands i never would have i heard years ago even albums that now i love that i heard years ago i'm like this yeah. is bullshit yep. when i heard it i'm like why the fuck do people like this then and years later you hear the same song and you go oh my god yeah like this is amazing yep you know so yeah sometimes it's just all about the the timing with things too like it's not that it's a it's a bad record or that they even changed their sound like you're just you're so hyper focused on the vision that you have that you can't just like pull back and look at the bigger picture and you know see that like well this isn't that different these are still yeah. the same people playing the same instrument like this still sounds like a banner pilot album like it's like it's know. like if you had like uh if if you had the the ingredients for like an italian dish and like one was like like pasta and red sauce and one was lasagna and it's like you're kind of eating the same thing yeah it's just a different like <laughs> it just different presentation yeah. or like way of putting it together but it's, it's like the same fucking thing it's the, still the same ingredients <laughs> yeah, you know right. it's just yeah it's like a different preparation i guess but like i you know like i think that uh i think that people just they're always going to be hesitant towards change um 
but I I don't think that it's something that bands should ever like fear or like hesitate towards towards doing it's just like life's too short just do that crazy thing that you had in mind and like your producer will tell you if it's weird or not you know (laughs) that's why you also gotta have a producer go no that's fucking stupid what's wrong with you why why we're not gonna do do that that. yeah like you need someone there to be like yeah it's fucking dumb dude don't do that put the xylophone away yeah maybe we don't need a glockenspiel on this one in halftime yep (laughs) but uh yeah i i uh this is my favorite. Again, like I, I realize even putting that on there, uh, not that Banner Pilot doesn't get love, but I'm like, you know, might be, might not be the conventional one. Like they're they're not even the band I think of right away with Fat. But if I really have to think about my favorite, I mean this fucking one. It also makes me very sad. I remember buying it on vinyl at Vintage Vinyl, uh, one of my favorite record stores in New Jersey, and that got announced today. That's closing, which is fucking yikes. I, I talk about it on this show all the time. It's one of my favorite. Like I've. I've been in New York City and drove like two hours to Ford's, New Jersey, just go to this record store. Like it's, it's like my fucking place. Like anytime I'm anywhere in the vicinity, within hours, I'm there. So very, very sad to see that closing today. But you know, albums like this it means so much to me. It's like fuck yeah, I remember buying it there. Like yeah. listening that whole I was going to skate and surf. I listened to that first song off the record a fuck ton the whole way up. And then when I got to Vintage Vinyl, I bought the record and fucking fell in love with that. Nice. So, uh, yeah, that is my uh, R.I.P. Vintage Vinyl. But, hey, I got a good fucking album out of it. But, uh, yeah, that is that is our top five. God damn. Yeah. I like that we – though I feel like if you like fat records, I feel like you probably like most bands. So it's not surprising that we had – like, but, like, I feel like both bands we both like mutually. You yep. know what I mean? It's not one of those ones like – Oh, we picked that band, but I like don't know them at all. Yeah. Or don't like any, you know what I mean? Like yep. I fucking hate that band. There's like none of that. You kind of had too some of the later era as well, like because I I don't know about you. At first, I really thought my list would be more '90s oriented than it was, and I feel like yours actually yeah. wasn't that '90s oriented either. It wasn't. There was only one album on there from the '90s, so that's a testament to how yeah. good this fucking label is. Yeah, I mean we've yeah. we've been going pretty long, so we should probably start to like cut it. But like I know you have honorable mentions. I mean, you want to yeah. you want to throw a couple out here as we start to like close up. I'd love I'd love to hear some of the ones that didn't make it on here. I yeah, I and I'm just going to kind of like I'll just rifle through. This is and, the shit you should all go listen to right yeah, now. He's yeah. going to name albums where if you go, what's that? Go change that shit. Just, go listen to it. Yeah, go yeah, listen to these albums. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about them. Um, Strung out American Paradox. I'm pretty sure that was like 2001, 2002 ish. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Transmission, Alpha, Delta. I feel that's a return. To, that's I feel like their later era albums. That's one of their best. That, that, that album is their best. That'll that'll slap you in the face. That one um, hits like their old shit. Like yeah. that one really hits in a way like their old stuff did. That it'll yeah that'll melt your brain. Um, bracket live. Fuck so yeah. live in a dive. Um, just check it out. Like I. I love Bracket. They're like they're like one of my favorite bands, but um if you're just going to have an introduction into Bracket and like their best songs, this to me is this is it. And it's the it's a really great quality funny, fun listening to live album. I love a good live album. So that that's yeah. cool. I, I like that as a good introduction to them. Uh Propagandi supporting cast. Um that might not be the one that fat purists are going to like say that you should listen to but to me that's that's my favorite 
propaganda album because it's it's another face melter oh yeah oh fuck that's another band where yeah if you want face melters those fuckers know how to play their instruments now i intentionally didn't put no effects on here because <laughs> i thought it wasn't fair also some of my favorite no effects albums were epitaph. out on epitaph that's so. my that dude I, I had to go look i'm like i'm pretty sure so long and thanks for all the shoes was epitaphs so. yep yep <laughs> um the decline was fat oh okay um I mean, I'm I'll pretty just be sure. A, I'm like 95% no, sure. No, no, you're right. You are You are right. That would have been the right era because I think it was around really – besides I think like one-offs and stuff, I don't think NoFX was putting full lengths out on fat until like pump up the volume or like 2000 or something like that. So pump up the volume was still on Epitaph okay, and it was. Uh, the war on errorism was on fat. That was – yeah, that's way late. Like yeah. you, you forget how long – like I know they did the singles and shit, but like full lengths, yeah, they were on Epitaph forever. Yep. Wolves and Wolves Clothing is also really great. Um, that was my intro to them. That was my first one. I, I love that EP, or album. Fat, Fat Mike has even said this. Like, he thinks that it's their best album if they had taken off, like, five songs or something like that. <laughs> I like so his honesty. check it out. So definitely check it out because there's some really, really awesome songs on that. I think later era, too, that's one of their best later era, like, records including 2000s era, probably yep. their best one in the 2000s. Um, Anti-Flag Terror State, I think, That's a is good one. my favorite Anti-Flag album. That would be um, mine. I saw them touring on it up in Buffalo, and um, it was like a sold-out show. It was fucking insane. But they as people were walking out, they just handed them this album. Oh, that's awesome. So I just get it. They, I literally got this album for free. Damn, back in the, the day, ticket. too, when you're still paying like 20 yeah. bucks for a CD. Yeah, so um, I think that they they thought that the message was more important than whether they made a profit or not, so they Put just your money your mouth is. I give them credit for that. That's, yep. that's very anti-flag of them. Um, and this is the one. I Just check it out if you like anti-flag. Um, Mast Intruder. Fuck yeah. Just, Fuck yeah. Self-title just or the first out. one? Yep. Yeah, that is that was their best one. Uh, Frenzel Rom, High V High T, and Smoko at the Pet Food Factory. Those are the newer ones, right? Those are the two newest ones. Which, um, yeah, those just the lyrics are are crazy, but the songs are like they're always incredible. Crazy. Frenzel Rom always has crazy fucking lyrics. Um, Me first in the Gimme Gimmies. Uh, Ara Drag was my first one. Um, where they did like all the show tunes and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. like, you know, you've got Somewhere Over the Rainbow and like <laughs> uh, Phantom of the Opera, like just songs that you would have never expected would be incredible punk rock songs, but they are. Oh, yeah. The um, gimmies, I mean, this, they've been around so long that I feel like, I mean, they're still loved. I still love, but like you forget how funny that is. The whole concept yep. and them and everything around that, like, you forget how fucking great that is. And and it's just really, I mean, even like blowing the wind, take a break, love their country. Like they pick a theme, they commit to it, and they do it the best way that they know how. And in a way that's just really entertaining and like both funny and fun to listen to. Oh, yeah. And also when I think about it, what an amazing band name. Yeah, sometimes I forget about. It. I'm like, that's one of the best band names on Fat, to be honest. I think they just, I mean, they started off must have been just like a joke band and like so. playing in bars to their friends and stuff, and then they were like, oh, I guess we should record these. And I'm pretty sure like one of those first 
Gimme Records or one of the best-selling albums on Fat, actually. Yeah. I like Because I know people who don't listen to Fat Records who know me first in the Gimme Gimme's. Like, that yeah. actually, while it wasn't huge, did have some crossover success in ways that, like, no effects and shit never had. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, Joey Cape, Tony Sly, Acoustic Volumes 1 and 2. Those are fucking Volume good. 1 was in, I think, 2004. And that... People weren't doing like acoustic stuff like completely acoustic stuff back then and that totally changed the game of of punk rock for the next 16 years um like they just they did it so so well that it it just kind of like had this huge overarching impact on the scene in general so definitely check that one out required listening um we just talked about banner pilot so yeah um, everyone should go listen to banner pilot including if you're only familiar with older era like flatliners and banner pilot if you're like if you're trying to get into newer fat bands and you just have like been asleep for 20 fucking years i just like flatliners and like banner pilot are like two big ones where it's like i think you'd be into them if you like the old shit and if you like banner pilot Check out None More Black, This Is Satire, which Good is, band. like, a, a really incredible record. And that dude was in, um, what was his what was his first band? That hardcore band. Some hardcore I know the band. dude was in another one, and I don't remember. Wait, Kid Dynamite? Kid Dynamite, yeah. That's right, it is the same fucking singer. Um, Dead to Me, Cuban Ballerina, and the Little Brother EP. Check those out. Um, just really good rock, diverse punk. They're, they they kind of like mix it up in an interesting way. I like that. Uh, loved ones, keep your heart. Yeah. Their their first record, just really great. That's rock some songs. of Dave Haas's best stuff, I think. Yep. Um, Bad Astronaut, Fuck Acrophobe, yeah. which is their first album. You can't go wrong with any Bad Astronaut, but that's just the one that I like the most. Short music for short people. And fat volumes two and three, I think, are the best. The cla- they're just they're so fucking classic. I don't think there's anywhere you can like stream them in full, but no, you there See, might I, be some I, I places. I have them on CD, so I've never looked. Yeah. I've never looked on there or thought about that before. But that kind of sucks. It. I don't know if they're. On, I don't think they're on like Spotify. You're probably right. Like I that. can't imagine like compilations are. I can't imagine those make it on there. Um, I think some people made like some like their some of their own playlists but um i bet they're not you know why because the atticus uh compilations which were amazing i know those aren't on spotify yeah. and people bitch about that and they do those playlists where they try to they'll try to at least find the song somewhere else or most of the songs yeah, or like whatever. whatever's on spotify and do that which sucks because compilations have a bunch of songs you can't find to this day anywhere right. else right so it kind of sucks when they're not on there so if you can just like I don't know. I would just like YouTube that shit or something. Yeah, you could YouTube it, or you could go to Fat Rack and just like do a digital download. Oh just yeah, that's buy it, true. You know, I don't know if they still have it, but when I kept talking about that having uh, the first song on Banner Pilot Souvenir, they may have changed it. But in 2014, at least, you could download one or two songs off each Fat release yeah. on their website, yep. which I thought was amazing. Yeah, like yeah. they let you, you. You could just get a couple off each. Like, yeah, you download this one, this one, and. Yeah, you might still be able to do that. So if you can, I mean, go look on Fat's website. You could go fucking sample these albums. I yep. mean, you know, which is uh, very cool. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel this has been a lot of fun. But yeah, we'll we'll uh, start cutting here as we're uh, three hours in. But this is good shit. I mean, yeah. Do you want to? I mean, as we've said, and as if people haven't heard, go back and check out the other two episodes with you. We talked about your music on there. But uh, if people want to go find you, find your music. You know, you want to tell people where to go find you real quick? Yeah, go to uh, joeycobra.bandcap.com. Or you can just find Joey Cobra on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, all the good shit. So, um, yeah, just hit me up if you like my stuff and I can lead you to different directions. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. Fuck yeah. And I feel, too, I mean, if you're listening to this episode, and uh, I'll tell him because obviously he he can't tell you that. But I think if you're a fan of fat and that kind of music and shit, I think you'll like his stuff. So, like, go fucking... uh, Go check it out. But, uh, yeah, go do that. Uh, if you want to go hear us talk, there's hours of me and you talking available. <laughs> That's very weird to, to, yep. to say, but there's, like, probably five hours of us talking on the Internet. If you A lot of go, stuff. Yeah, if you just want to go hear us, basically, talk about Fat Records more. I mean, we talk about your music and yeah. stuff, but Fat Records always comes up. But, uh, yeah, go, go find that anywhere you uh, find the Power Chord Hour podcast. Uh Anyway, you listen to podcasts, our YouTube page, just go look up Power Chord Hour and uh, follow us online at Power Chord Hour on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, Oh, and I should also shout out WRFA since we are using the studios here. Uh, since this is so long, it won't be on the radio show, but go listen to the radio show every Friday night, uh, 10, to, 10 to midnight Eastern on 107.9 WRFA right here in good old Jamestown, New York, and uh, stream that online, WRFALP.com. But, uh, yeah, and I play Joey on there, other local bands and shit. But uh, there's good stuff. Go listen to him. You'll hear you'll hear a taste of uh, Jamestown local music. You'll get a taste of punk rock, all that good stuff. Follow us. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. If you can't tell, that's the end of the episode. I'm running out of steam here. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just begging you all to follow us and shit. <laughs> if you haven't had enough after three hours, go listen to us more. But, uh, yeah, that is the episode. So for the Power Court Hour and for Joey Cobra, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thanks for listening.